Hey, I'm Will Pfeiffer, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> No feet. That was completely free. Woohoo! Which makes me wonder: Is he here, Jason? I'll be here. There he is. Back and better than ever. Better than ever. I'm try this now. I'm trying first. All right, let's see if that's better. Audio. It's okay. What's up, fools? When you're working with a free app, you don't really have much sex. It's true. With all the big bucks we We've never had a mixer. What do you mean another? Oh, facetious. Facetious J. That's your new name. Is it? Yep. Facetious J. I love it. Of course, I said that. Of course. I think you've been looking, making too many fonts this week. You lost your mind. That, that's you, Gus Bus. That's you. You been drinking? No, my son and I just watched a movie for the 11th time, and it kills us every time we watch oh, it. Boy. So I'm just getting. No, I'm not going to tell you because you're going to make fun of me. Mall, mall yeah. cop too? Dude, don't this mall cop. <laughs> Seriously, I like mall cop. It's, it's a fucking Adam Sandler movie, though, isn't it? Yes. Oh, no. Is it one of the good ones, at least? Like the, yeah, the, is it one, one of the good ones? Good ones? What are you talking about? They're all no, good. They're not, no, which one are you talking about? Which, they are. which one is it? Ridiculous uh, Six. Click, I love Ridiculous Six. I haven't even fucking watched that Netflix original. It's my portal. He is so lucky Netflix exists because that shit would have premiered a blockbuster. Fucking Wait, Ridiculous Six. The Ridiculous Six, the Hateful Eight spoof. Did, did you, Do you know who's in it? Yes. Did you watch Our Do Over yet? You got on the did list. Did you watch it's Do like Over the... yet? Yes, I thought it was oh, great. Geez. Of course you did. I love Adam Sandler. <laughs> must be a delay. No, because he doesn't know it's a real movie. Ridiculous J. Ridiculous Six. Oh, hilarious. You really watched that. <laughs> Dude. I know you got a lot of free time out of your master's over, but damn, I can give you things to do. First of all, they're not over till next Sunday, oh, fuck. and it's a great movie. Yeah, okay. You didn't have time to finish the book you claimed was going to be your book of the year. <laughs> but you had it's time to watch it. a fucking Netflix sandwich from eleven times in the last like six months. Who <laughs> said that time limit? Yeah, it is in the last six months. Oh, fuck. You realize the time that you let Vin watch that movie, he probably could have mastered calculus. <laughs> Way better than a cat. Oh, oh my god. Dude, Glory. someday our Earth is going to die, and then would have been the answer. He would have figured out like the technology to desalinate the ocean so we'd have water. But instead, he wasted all the time watching Adam Sandler movies. Uh, his dad, what his dad does, so it was time well spent. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. We laugh like idiots when we watch those. <laughs> We're laughing like idiots I remember now. when I was 14 and I thought Sandler was hilarious. Oh, right? He is hilarious. Oh, his, first, his first comedy album is ridiculously funny, though. Hey, good. <laughs> don't don't get me giddy. We are eleven o'clock comics. This is episode four hundred and twenty-eight, and I am Vince oh, B. God, yeah, you are. I am David A. Price, and I'm Gennaputo. 
No, you're not. You're facetious Jay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're not. You Jason Wood. What's up? Ah, what's up? Back, back from good. Florida, and boy, are my arms tired. Good to have you back. Although it looked like you had a very, very good time. Oh lord, it was good. Oh lord. I appreciate the pictures of your wife in the water, yep. although most of the time she was submerged. She was so. very upset with me for posting that picture. Really? <laughs> She's like, you can't, you're not allowed to post pictures of me in my bathing suit on Facebook. I'm like, no, you yes, I I were submerged. It was a, it was a family pic. <laughs> she didn't I was it. picking she my see it that way. Like that. Oh, you should ah. see it tonight, Vince. Uh, she's a beautiful woman. Know. She's got like, she has a bathing suit on, but she has like this little like, uh, like booty shorts, but they're like see-through lace. Stop. There we go. Easy. And you, <laughs> and speaking to the devil, and you can get ridiculous prices on your favorite funny books and collectibles if you shop at one spot, one spot only. Discount comic book service. Yes. DCBService.com will hook you up with massive discounts the new list is up and i have them for you such as from dc it's the first book in the young animal imprint doom patrol number one written by gerard way art by nick darrington now this thing is cover price 3.99 what are you going to be able to take it home for take a guess 1.99 nope <laughs> not. 2.29 75% off. You can what? get it for 99 cents. Damn. Isn't that crazy? That is, I, I can't even calculate that in my head. It says here, reintroduction of some classic Doom Patrol characters, including Niles Calder, Negative Man, Flex Mentalos in it. Sick. And Crazy Jane. Triple sick. I'm glad that they got whatever problems they had ironed out with the Flex Mentalo, and now he's going to be yes. in this new thing. And it's Gerard Way, so you know it's going to be It's a mature reader's imprint, too. Doom Patrol and mature readers go like together like peanut butter and jelly. Indeed they do. Yes. From Image, Andrew McLean, 280 pages, Headlopper, Volume 1, called The Island or a Plague of Beasts. Your price... Now remember, I said 280 pages, nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That's fifty percent off cover price. It's crazy. Why would you go anywhere else? You and should last, never go anywhere else. You shouldn't. Last but very not least, how could these two creators ever be least? Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez, yeah. Graphics, Love and Rockets Monthly. Going back to comic size, cover price three ninety nine. Your price, dollar ninety nine cent, fifty percent off. What? It's the comic book event of twenty sixteen. That's what it says here. Yeah, it's back as it. Come on, back as an all new ongoing comic book series, volume four for those keeping track at home. And both Jaime. Yeah, I'm well good because I'm gonna be there. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. You get your books all wrapped up, special, and shipped right to your door. You don't even have to get up off the couch, only to answer at the door. <clears throat> DCBService.com, very best. I'm struggling with the fact that I have yet to read my previews. Same here. Massive this month. I just, I was away, so I didn't have it. Now I just haven't had a chance this week to look at it yet. Yeah, same here. Uh, there's some good stuff in there. I would hope so. Yeah, last month stuff. was the lightest month I've had in like two years. Let me see. Last month, uh, last month was average for me. 
Although I did drop a, a couple books. You dropped two, three books? Yeah. I won't get into it, but um, I don't. I, they're not worth the discounted price. Right. So I dropped. I hear that. You know what, what is do we worth drink? the price, though? Whatever you're drinking. I am drinking Yingling. Wow. Yingling Light? No. No. Again, no. <sighs> I will never. Don't. I love you. Don't ever ask me that question again because I will never, ever be drinking <sighs> Yingling Light. Well, that's your bad. I hate it. I hate it. Well, it's, that's your fault. It don't taste like anything. Yingling. Ding, ding, ding. That's what I'm drinking. What you drink? What you drink? Uh, I am drinking. Hold on, grab the bottle because it's new. New. Mm. Ooh, nice. Las Cartas, which is a Chilean red blend. That's the cart. 2013. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. A little grape. Nice. Grape for that ass. <laughs> Otherwise, no hemorrhoid. Mm. What are you drinking, David? Uh, I am, uh, Born to grape. There you go. Uh, I am still, because after we were finished last week, put the bottle away. So I am uh, still enjoying the Pebble Ridge Vineyards Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, California. I thought for sure you'd have that polished. I almost did. I almost did. And I'm like, you know what? It's with, with really, power, really good. Just sit there and drink the wine. Seriously. <sighs> I didn't with Jason stepping all over. For real, though. That's <laughs> not saying it was 11 o'clock on. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see how it's going to oh, be. Team up. <laughs> yeah, team ups out the ass tonight. We have a lot to talk about. So much about. team ups. Dude, all can right. we talk about first, though? What? This is, this is for you, Vince. Just to let you know I love you. How about the fact that the Harvey Awards came out? Yes. And, and, that's it's great, but the thing that is bothering me is the people that are incredulous mm-hmm. yes. at the fact that Valiant managed to score fifty Harvey Award nominations. Fifty Harvey Award nominations, five zero fifty, yep. which is more than the combined totals of DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, and Boom. Hey, they make good books. It's fairly remarkable. But as you alluded, there is a bit of a controversy to it, I guess, because many think that they gamed the system. Really? But I, I don't know if they did or didn't. I just, I still think it's astounding regardless. Well, the Harveys are creator nominations, right? Yes. yes. But, but you can, you, you have five spots and you can, you can vote for the same thing in all five spots if you want. Well, uh, every invaluant, uh, Freelancer or employee voted at all valiant. I don't know because but if that that's still not enough to tip the scales. I don't believe uh, if according to his Facebook post, Louis LaRosa did not nominate himself or any valiant books. Yeah, um, I guess uh, there's been some reports like places like the Outhouse and stuff that I guess the uh, the valiant fandom is already been caught trying to rig three different awards. Oh, yeah, over on Reddit was one Reddit, of them. Comics yeah. Alliance, and somewhere else. And so um, wow. there's belief that they may have done that here. Like, and a lot of people are making it uh, analogous to when uh, the Weinsteins used to always get their movies nominated for Academy Awards by, like, you know, blanketing the world with uh, very targeted mm-hmm. campaigns. But either way, I, I say let's be optimists and just say it's a recognition of what you've been saying all year, which is that it's uh they're having a hell of a run here. Yes, they are. 
But I look on the bright side. If it gets someone to, if it perks up somebody's attention and it gets them to say, hey, there may be something to these Vines books. I'm going to try them out. Then that's great. Well, I'm going to run some of the nominees by you and you tell me if you think they're deserving. How about that? Okay. All right. For best letter, they have three of the five nominees. Dave Lanfear, Divinity. Patricia Martin, Wrath of the Eternal Warrior. And Dave Sharp, Ninjack. Cool. Lamphere does a lot of their books. Okay. Yeah. Um, is are they any better or worse than people otherwhere, other places? I, I can't say. The, the, it, it's serviceable. It's 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 legible, clean. Uh, I don't know. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, colorist. They have three of the six. Ulysses Ariola for Ninjak. <clears throat> yep. David yep. Barron for Divinity. Oh, and yeah. Brian Reber for Exo Man of War. Then yeah, Reber better win that. Well, he's up is against he... Laura Martin, Jordy Belair, and Laura Allred, but uh, nice to know you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> um let's see, they're not nominated for those. Not nominated for those. Best Inker. Uh Seth Mann for Ninjack. Mm, I can see that. Tom Palmer for Bloodshot Reborn. Yes. Joe Rivera for the Valiant. Well, I yep. guess it's Paolo's brother, I'm guessing? No, uh. No? I think he is related to he Paolo. He is, he is related. I, I think it's his father. Oh, neat. Wow. And Ryan Wynn for Divinity. Yeah, it's all legit so far. So they got four of the six there. Um, Bloodshot Re- about... Reborn is nominated for Best New Series. <laughs> yeah, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> Most promising new talent. You've got Raul Allen for Wrath of the Eternal Warrior. Mm-hmm. Robert Gill for Book of Death. Yep. Um, they're both going to lose to our boy Tom King, though, who's nominated. So. Yeah. Um, here's one that's I, I thought was very interesting because I uh, special award for humor. They had five of the six nominees. Wow, Rafer Roberts. Uh, Rafer Roberts for EXO. Fred Van Lenty. For Ivar. Wow, who else? Uh, Michael Cooperman for Unity. Wow. Humor? Yeah. Elliot Kalin for Unity. Oh, who did the, um, oh, Cot did, uh, the drop down or dead zone, whatever the fuck it was. Drop dead. That shitty miniseries. Oh, no, that was LS Great. Right. Yeah. The last nominee was James Asmus for, uh, Quantum and Woody Must Die. Okay. Yeah. I, the, the, the Unity is mystifying. That there, and there's two nominees, which is... Yeah. Are Kalen and Cooperman both artists in the book? I don't I Tell you the truth, Unity's the one book I, I get, but I, I let it stack up. I don't okay. read it. Um, best graphic album previously published. Another one that they dominated. Uh, Bloodshot Reborn, Volume 1. Divinity Deluxe Edition. Ivar Timewalker, Volume 1. Okay. Uh, Ninjak, Volume 1. And The Valiant Deluxe Edition. Wow, with this exception, I would don't know if I would put Ninjak in the category with all those others, but yeah, I I would be hard pressed to pick one out of all those nominations, but I know which one I'd go with. And then they got five. There's a special award for excellence in presentation. I have no idea what that even means. And they've got five of the six there: Bloodshot Reborn, Book of Death, Divinity, Ninjak, and The Valiant. Well, there's only one. One of these things is not like the other. Um, the Bloodshot Reborn, Divinity. The Valiant and um, Book of Death. 
uh, Book of Death all had the, the, the cardstock covers, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I think you were for it, though. Wait, which ones? I don't think Book of Death did. Uh, did it? Yeah. It had, yeah, yeah. Spot Varnish. Spot Varnish, right, right. Okay. Mm, that's but nice. um, The Odd Man Out's Ninjak with the glow-in-the-dark covers, probably. Okay. Best domestic reprint. Another one that's uh, they dominated. It's kind of strange. They got Archer and Armstrong, Archer and Armstrong, the classic omnibus. I'm down with that. But then they had uh, three more, and they were the three volumes of Quantum and Woody by Priest and Bright. Mm. Fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, best cover artist. You've got Raul Allen for Ivar. Yep. Uh, Jelena Kevich-Djurjevic for Divinity. David Lafuente for Wrath of the Eternal Warrior. Yeah. Louis LaRosa for Ninjak. Paolo Rivera for The Valiant. They're heavy hitters. Uh, it's crazy, man. It's the, the, it keeps going and going. Uh, no anthologies to speak of. Um, best continuing series or limited series. Bloodshot Reborn, Book of Death, Divinity, Ninjak. Wow, it's, it's surprising how many Nam's Ninjak's getting. Yeah. Not their strongest title. No. Mm-mm. Best writer, Lemire for Bloodshot Reborn. Uh, he's the only, okay. he's the only writer nominated. Um, really? Kent, Kent didn't get nominated? Kent got nominated for Best Cartoonist for Unity. What? Um, best Artist, uh, Miko Suyin for Bloodshot Reborn. Yep. Best Cartoonist, Kent for Unity, Cooperman for Unity. And Rafer Roberts for EXO. Wow. <laughs> and then, yeah. last but not least, best single issue or story, Bloodshot Reborn number one, Book of Death number one, The Valiant number four, Wrath of the Eternal Warrior number one. I'll admit there's some of these noms are a little fishy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Unity in particular, right? Yeah. And, and, I enjoy Ninjak, but when you put it side by side with the rest of their line, it, it's not, it doesn't, uh, rise to the level of, say, the Valiant or Bloodshot Reborn. Well, or seeing all these even, nominees makes me feel stupid for having this giant Rye Howard cover that I'm reading right now, because it didn't get a single nomination. Which is crazy. I like Clayton Crane, and it's, it's, that's one of their best books. There you go. But either way, man, like, whether they game the system or not, I still think it's pretty cool that a, Publisher with one percent of the market got yeah. got one third of all the nominations, so that's pretty dope. Yeah, it is dope. So kudos to Valiant. And if you guys are playing, you know, rough and uh, tumble with the, the 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 voting process, like why would you do that? You, you're going to get found out. Well, press right. People are talking about Valiant. Yeah. And as long as the work stands up, I mean, the thing about so the Weinstein's was always that. The movies were always great. It's not like when people saw them, they they could. Right. You know? They almost didn't have to do that. Right. So what they did, yeah. Probably say the same about. All right. What if? Yeah. All right, man. All right. Let's do some quick ones because right. we have a lot to cover. Yeah, let's do it. I got action nine fifty seven, nine fifty eight, Superman one, Superman two. Okay. Uh, yes, same here. Action written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Patrick Zercher, color art by Tumio More. Superman written by Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. Pencils by Gleason, inks by Mick Ray, and the color arts by John Calise. Does uh, Bill Shake bring all the boys to the yard? I, I don't know. I Facebooked 
What I say, David, four steps in in the in the right direction. Yeah, I thought these were great. I, I, every one of them was was it, everything that Superman has not been for me in the past four whatever years. These books turn the tables on it. I like the mystery of Clark Kent. I don't know what the heck is going on there. Uh, with the exception of the red trunks, it felt it felt comfortable. It felt um, like I remembered back in the time when David and I would buy all the triangle issues. It felt right to me. It was it it's the closest to that it's been in a long time. Right, right. I'm not saying it's analogous. No, well, it is analogous it, to it. It doesn't replicate it completely, but it is analogous to it. No, I think it and, and it it tips a hat to us to, to those of us who who were reading it back then. It it's they want you to feel there's the sense of familiarity, which is great. I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, the they're they're not running. You don't have to read one. You're not reading Superman and then action. They're both separate stories. Superman is is dealing with um, with, with with raising John, uh, and and John coming to grips with with his powers. And see, that's very, John's very curious to me because the kid has fire vision. And he can fly. And he can fly, but he falls out of a tree. Gets a concussion, and, his knees and, are you know, all strong too because when the girl touched his hand, he got a little nervous and he squeezed the tree trunk. Right. And, sh- and, and, you know, made, you know, made it into, uh, kindling. And they, he fell from the tree, hit his head and got a concussion. From the house of L falls out of a tree. Well, maybe it's from his mama's side. So he falls out of a tree and gets a concussion. It's just where I'm very interested in, in John's power set. And I'm not, and, and it hasn't, he is not at the point where I'm, I'm annoyed because, you know, there's just this kid front and center. No, I like the character because he's, he's the anti Damien. He's very respectful to his parents. Yes. He's very polite. Which they may be setting us up for, um, what was the, the Superman story, Power Surge, when he got all angry and big. Arr, maybe the kid's gonna hulk out someday and just like lose it. Well, first we have to have the, uh, the, the generations, the, the son of Batman, sons of Batman and Superman teaming up. Oh, that'd be cool. It's, Bring back Young it's Justice. The new little world's finest. Yeah. Um, and I like I like Gleason's art. John's eyes can be a little big at times, but I like Gleason's art. Um, yeah, sweet. I it's it's it reminds me of of the old McGinnis days. Um, yep. and that last page, dude. I, I was like, what's going? On? Oh, he. All right, so yeah, it detects the DNA, and then oh, because at first I was like, oh, maybe these two series do tie in, because I was thinking maybe until I got to the last page that it was creating Clark. Mm-hmm. But no, um, but yeah, I don't want to spoil the last page. People read it. It's it's get the second issue of Superman and and the water's fine. Action is more Superman than than the family L or the the family Cancer Smiths or whatever the hell they're calling themselves. It's um, it's it's Superman and Super Lex dealing with 
Doomsday. Say it. Say it. Doomsday. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's so good. It's, and they go and, to Doomsday Well all the fucking time. And right Stop off it, they don't. It's Rebirth with now with. But I mean, they Doomsday. just had Doomsday. But that was New Fifty Two. But they just had them. Don't care. New Fifty Two. Oh my god. It's but that again. That was not our Superman. That was New Fifty Two Superman. This is our I... Clark Kent. Slash it's, it's, our, it's our Clark Kent Superman. I thought you were going to say it's our Doomsday. We do not know that. We don't know it yet. No, but I don't really care. I know you because don't it's care it's right our. Now. And the thing that got me was he didn't even. He's like, oh shit, Doomsday, but he didn't freak out. He's like, I'm going to take care of this, and he it was great. If you saw something pop, uh, a character pop up that you know killed you in the past, mm-hmm. you would at least it would give you pause. Superman didn't pause for a second. It was great. And there were there are people taking issues with uh, I don't know about this Superman. He's attacking Lex Luthor the first time he sees him. Like that, it's because this Superman has the memories of Lex being a not nice person. Right. Why wouldn't he attack him, or at least provoke him? No, I think they're on onto a great start with these things. I, for one, would like to see all the books connected. It would be commercial suicide, but. Eventually, I would like to see the books connected. Let them get, gain a little foothold, and then have a um, what do you, a cross book uh, event with all the super titles, and I'll be happy, happy, happy man. You would be. Yeah. So there, quickly. That's I just wanted to touch because you talked about them last week, and I, and I wanted to. Yeah, and I know that um, I I felt that uh, Patch's work was a little sharper in the first issue of Action. Not so much in the second, um, but I'm I'm enjoying the story that uh, Jurgens is kind of. It, it's it's neat to see Tomasi writing the Jurgens Superman, but Jurgens is writing the New Fifty Two Lex and this new Doomsday with the Jurgens Superman. And I, I say Jurgens, it's it's the burn reboot, it's that whole, but I mean Jurgens was a was a major architect when when yeah. the triangles were happening. Um we haven't tipped our hat to Mr. Jurgens because I think currently he's having a Keith Giffen moment. There was a time when Keith Giffen took over the the uh the cosmic stuff at Marvel where he could do no wrong. Right. And it was like a resurgence. Prior to that, we heard, haven't, hadn't heard from Keith Giffen in, in years. And now Jurgens is back and he's writing a lot of books and they're all good. So I think Mr. Jurgens is, is uh, currently uh, in resurgence, which is great. This man's a good writer and, and an even better illustrator. And he knows, he, he, he knows the character. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's fitting for me that if you're going to bring this Superman back, that at least one of the four main writers from back then would be brought along with him. Um, right. I'm buying Superman single issues again. Seriously, it's bro. crazy. I I'll, wish we could I, go I, back to when I said this would happen, and you swore it never would. When was this? Oh. I don't remember. Of course you don't. I don't. Because you old. But I'm glad. I'm glad to see you back. Cool. Now what? Let's let's spin the table to someone else. Uh, how about Jason? Because they heard from David and I. Jason, what what do you have to? Let's keep. To, it, if we're doing quick hits, let's keep it to DC. 
Let's okay. hit on uh, on our man uh, Tom King's debut issues, Batman one and two. Sure. Did you with, read those? Uh, yeah. Awesome. With uh, David Finch on art. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Off to a real good start. I I, I have to say I was a little reticent about Finch. Um, yeah. But uh, Vince, you mentioned before I read the issues on our one of our chats that you thought he was subdued so far, and I agree with you. I, I don't think um, I don't have a problem with what I've seen in these first two issues at all. I think. I think this is more in line with the Finch that I enjoyed way back in the day, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not as over muscularized and uh, yeah no. So I thought the art was definitely serviceable. Um, I guess the big thing so far is the introduction of of a super couple named Gotham and Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. and um, they they pretty much they saved Bruce's life in the first issue. Uh, he's pretty much saying his goodbyes. He's ready to die and. And they saved the day. And uh, you have to wonder what's going on here, because clearly, like, on one level, they're very generic, right? I mean, Gotham and Gotham Girl, right? Like, like, but I'm, I feel it's like that. I get the feeling that's definitely by design on Tom's part, right? Like, right. So what do you think's up there? Do you think there's, are they nefarious, you think? Um, I don't see how they could emerge on the scene and Batman not have some data on them. Mm-hmm. He he has data on everyone, right? How did how did he not know about these two? So they're a wild card. There's they're they're the unknown. They're the X. Yeah. And I don't think that someone who wanted to do good would just you know pick a date. We'll we'll surprise Batman and and help him out from now on. Like where they come from? I I I don't think Rebirth. it's going to end well. Yeah, yeah we I saw I them really, in the shadows. They and they she asked them if you know if they were ready. If, if now is when they're going to make their presence known and he hung back. But um, at first when I saw them, I thought they tied into um, that Morrison story of, of the Batman's from the different countries oh, and, right. and things like that. But I, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know if, um, if, if this is a time creation or if, if they're, if we've only seen them from rebirth on. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, I, I'm all in because I want to see where Tom's taking this character and I want to see what, where, what he's doing with Bruce and, and Gotham City, the, the setting, not so much this, this new character. Um, and Finch is definitely, um, not looser, but it's, it's cleaner. It's not so crosshatchy. It's more open. You can see more, the colorist has a chance to actually do some work instead of it being so, so dark and dreary. Um, but I just, I'm not, I'm not loving it. I, 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 between the two, I'm, I'm enjoying Detective, uh, at least as far as the setup goes and, and that whole Batman family vibe. Um, but I, I definitely, I, Tom's got the credit with me. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm all in. I just, it, it's, there's something, I don't know if, if, if I'm just getting not enough Batman and, and I'm getting these characters. I mean, there, there are a couple of teases, like the whole Monster Men and, and bringing, Professor Hugo Strange into it. Um, so, I mean, there he, he's hitting all the notes. There's just a couple of things where I'm not, and, and I'm not, I'm not really loving Alfred in this book. 
Um, no? I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know what it, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's cause he's giving you a run for the money in the snark department. That's why. Oh, that. shit. It's just, it's. That's what we like another snarky motherfucker. Nah, cause he can be, he's, he's, dude, the animated series, all Alfred does is fucking be snarky to, to Bruce. I'm, I'm fine with that. I just, I, I, I just, I'm not really loving Bruce and Alfred's relationship in this, but, and, and then Duke was almost an afterthought in the second issue. It's like, if he wasn't walking down the hallway with Bruce and Alfred, it's like, I don't even think he would have shown up in the issue. Um, but it's not his time to shine. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting everything situated and, and Gordon's kind of trying to get a couple of them up to speed. So, you know, it's, it was the first issue really kind of knocked you on your ass and, and you, know, I mean, you got Batman riding a fucking airplane and, you know, this one was just, this issue kind of just lets you catch your breath a bit, which is absolutely fine. So, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I, but I don't, like, I don't think it's fair to make it out like nothing happened because you got, first of all, they, they open up the issue fighting Solomon Grundy. And then the dude who is responsible for releasing Solomon Grundy shows up to Gordon's office and is telling him, oh, yeah, I'm the one that set Grundy free. And then as he's sitting there telling him, he takes a pen out and stabs himself in the neck and kills himself, telling him that the monster men are coming, which is a hell of a creepy-ass way to to allude to who the big bads of this first arc are going to be. And then, like you said, at the end we get a reveal that Hugo Strange is in a prison and, uh, up to, you know, about, you know, talking to a certain prisoner and, uh, up to no good. So, I don't know, I felt like there was a lot, a lot of groundwork was laid in this issue. Um, it wasn't as per, per se action packed, um, but from a setup perspective, I thought it had a lot going for it. Yeah. My favorite page is the, uh, progression where, uh, Gotham is chasing Grundy. And you see them in the, in the background and the steam is coming up from the sewer grate. Mm-hmm. And then Batman just appears in the, in the smoke. That, that page is great. <laughs> yeah. Batman's, I love Batman's it. like, you yeah, were, schools him. you were 1.3 seconds from apprehending him and 0.7 seconds away from that guy getting stamped, uh, tramp, trampled to death. You gotta yep. do better. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Up your game, yeah. son. So, uh, and, and John Workman on letters, Dap. Yeah. Yeah. Good and, stuff. And Jordy on colors, I believe. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I, so I think he's off to an auspicious start. I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the number one selling book of the month to the all. Awesome. Ba- Batman number one. Deservedly so. Yeah. And this Gotham girl has, she's pretty powerful too. If she, she can write the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Justice, herself. come on. Don't, don't, oh. let's not get, don't get confused. Okay, right. But still, it's a gigantic statue. It's, I know. It is at that. I wouldn't be able to do it. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you both read Green Arrow, yes? Read the, I did not. I did not read the, what was the latest issue? Three? Two? Oh, I two. did not read number two yet. Oh, uh, okay. I'm halfway through it. I, I, I'm, I cannot get enough of this, uh, Otto Schmidt art. Yeah, I'm pretty nice. sure he's not on the next issue, so yeah. Well, it's, all right. It's done three. I think, I, I think four and five are the, who do we say the other, whoever the next, okay. The next art. Well, I'm yeah. loving this dude's art. I mean, yep. man. This guy's great. a boost. Yeah. He draws Canary so sexy. Like, she's super hot, but she's got like thick, like athletic thighs. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really great. And, and, uh, Ollie tapped that ass. He's up in there. Well, he's Ollie, right? Yeah, it's great though. He's, he's up in there and, uh, we're introduced. Now I'm presuming that we, I, they, they introduce us to Emmy, his, Ollie's sister, but, it's done in such a way that I'm led to believe we already met her in the new 52. 
Yeah, I think because they don't really do any setup here. I mean, she's she's just there. It is right. is my point. So did did was she a character, a recurring character in the new Fifty Two? I don't know. The last thing I was reading was the uh, was was the 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 final Lemire arc from way back away. Okay, so I was well. So so Emmy. So it's not just it's in in the in the battle scenes. It's it's Green Arrow, Canary, and Emmy, who's his sister. Um, I guess half sister, and um, he's been living with her for like a year, kind of as, as his ward. Um, they didn't know each other existed until recently, so. Uh, and then Diggle is in the book as well. Yeah. Although he's out doing mercenary stuff across the world. So, um, I won't get into everything that's happening in issue two other than say, if you're, if you weren't liking the lack of action in Batman, you certainly don't have to worry about that in Green Arrow because it's, it's been nonstop. Going, a lot of stuff going down. Yeah. Jason, the page where Ollie's delirious. Mm-hmm. And, and he's embracing Canary and he's fallen in the, the dragon. You need to buy that page. I, I want to know someone who owns that page. Oh, uh, well, you know, not really by the DC art, but. What? what? Don't put qualifiers on it. Look at that page. You need to have that. Beautiful. I think he works digitally though, doesn't he? No, oh, I hope oh, not. He colors his own stuff, so he might. Yeah, I think he does. Uh, well. If he does sell his art, I don't know who reps him. It's not, I mean, he's not repped yet, so. Call him up. Say, hey. I might reach out to him, but I don't think. It's just, I'd rather have, I'd rather have the one of, of Canary getting. Getting taken, taken to bed. <laughs> taken to, to bed. Dead. Oh my goodness! I'm, I'm right, really keep... I mean, I'm very limited with the Green Arrow in terms of my reading. Yeah. And uh, so far, so good here. I, I, what I the fuck is up with that Neil Adams variant? It's horrible. And, and I said it. Why is the door like? I don't it's know, like, dude. They <laughs> should have called that Green Arrow Bad Hair Day. Huh. It's, it looks like he's all just it, it's it's so bad. quiet. It's like there's algae yeah. on. He's got arrows sticking in. It's like really, I just what's with the skull? I'm I'm completely. It's lines are too thick. Oh wait, fuck! Thick. He's got like eight fingers on his one hand. I just it's mm, it hurts my heart. He's got to pee. So. <laughs> that, that's yes. These are all locked. <laughs> Dude, come on. I you know I I I do a lot of apologizing for Mr. Adams, but that's you not do. a good. It's not a good cover. There you it's go. Like he's taking whatever meds that uh, continuity is advertising these days. That's called cashing in the pedigree. Yep. <laughs> on, on the, yep. So, whatever. All right, uh, let's keep it moving. Flintstones. Everybody read it? No. Yes. You didn't read it? No. Didn't have the time. Okay. No, I mean, tell me all about it, though. I'm getting it. It's out of the issue coming. It so is. Did it come out uh, this week or next or last week? It came out this, this week. week. Oh, all right. So, Mark, I'll get a Mark Russell. Mark Russell wrote it, Steve Pugh uh, drew it, nice. and uh, Chris Chuckery colored it. It was nothing that I expected. No, nope, same thing here, but that's not a bad thing. No, it is not a bad thing. It, it's, um, I don't know if every issue, the, the, the first and last page are set in present day our time um, in a museum, and, and it's they're basically framing the story where you are shown a map of bedrock um which was awesome. 100,000 years ago. And the, uh, but yeah, it's, it's setting up Fred who works at the quarry and, um, and, and Mr. Slate who is a dick, a, a huge, uh, physically imposing dick. He is, yeah. I mean, he, he's, 
He's a big dude. Bro- I mean, everybody's got fucking broad shoulders, and and I mean, these these dudes are lugging rocks and everything around all day. So yeah, you're not you're not gonna get too many skinny fat dudes. Um, but the they they touch base on on Fred and Barney being in the war, and and which completely unexpected for me. I mean, I never in a million years thought we'd get so much backstory where you know. Fred Barney yeah, vets. The lodge is a veterans lodge. Yeah. Um, the uh, I'm I'm definitely getting a little bit of a Lucille Ball vibe from uh, from Wilma, which is fine. Um, she's smoking she hot is though. Smoking hotness. She's absolutely and, and and Fred and, is getting a little bit of a Jackie Gleason vibe, which is fitting. Being not yeah, but I gotta say, even Betty is is absolutely yeah. We don't get good. enough Betty for me. No, um, Pew does does really great stuff with the women in this book. Yeah. She, she, with she everything, does. but it looks sexy as all get out. Yeah, yeah. But especially, um, I mean, Wilma is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but Fred has to. It, it's it's another one of those sitcom situations where, uh, Mister Slate is is tempting Fred with with a foreman position. He just has to take these Neanderthals, he, the, these Cro Magnon men out and and show them a little bit of fun on the town so that they'll come work for Slate. And uh yeah, because they don't know what they have no concept of, of economics or money. Yeah, because they're so literally he wants, cavemen. he wants to get them to work for him so he can basically pay them nothing. Yeah. Uh and it's I mean, it's, it's a pretty solid story in the sense that, you know, you get it, you definitely get a sense of this world and, and who these characters are. There's not a lot of, um, not a lot of Barney. You get, it, it feels like the Barney from the cartoon, but it's, um, it's, it's mostly a Fred issue. It's, it's straight yeah. up a Fred book. And it's pre-pregnancy on, on both Betty and Wilma. Yes. There's no kids running around yet. Even though on the cover, yeah, yeah, there are a couple of the covers, a couple of the variants are are, are showing the kids, um, and they, I mean, and they, Russell goes all in on on giving Wilma uh, a backstory and and a history and and yeah. all about her family well, and based on the covers, are we sure maybe that they're they're the kids aren't already teenagers when they you know like oh maybe Wilma's Wilma's in good shape for having a teenager. Well, it is a comic book. Yeah, or maybe, maybe they're 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 teens. I don't know. We'll see. Did not even mention them, right? Well, like you said, Barney's hardly in it. Maybe they're you know they're it's a slow yeah, we'll slow see. build. Either, either way, I, I appreciate the backstory on on Wilma because she's an artist and she keeps doing these hand paintings, right? And there's a little bit of the cartoon um, commentary from the the uh, the utility animals, like in in the cartoon, the record player would always complain. To, to, to Fred or, or, you know, like a rug would say something. And, um, in this, when, when Wilma's doing her paintings, like the, the, the dinosaurs and the, the animals around her, like, uh, you know, they're, they're questioning her talents and they're making pretty snide comments. But, uh, they actually give you a reason why she makes hand paintings. It's cool. And we praise Morp all about, we, we, we do. Thank Morp for everything good in this world, and and Morp's the reason why I won the fight. And and thank Morp that uh, I survived that accident. It's 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 it, man. It was 
the way in between Scooby and Future Quest and and now this and then yeah, Wacky Racelands, it's whatever you were thinking DC was going to do with 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 the alternate take on the Hanna Barbera cartoons. It's completely different than than anything that, yeah. that I would have thought they were going to do with it. It's surprisingly unrestrained. Yeah. Yep. I thought, um, you know, being Hanna Barbera and, uh, this juggernaut and, and having tons of fans that would expect comic book representations of their favorite series to be and act in a certain way, DC was just like the hell with it. Well, you gotta give DC credit because they've been putting out books, Hanna Barbera books for a long time and they don't, nobody, nobody buys them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kudos to them for trying something different. It's good stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked through the book as you guys were talking. It's definitely a pretty book for and sure. If you, it, it, oh, it definitely is. If you follow Steve Pugh on uh, Facebook, he recently did a comparison on his inking process for the Flintstones, and he compared it to works he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. He was he, he he tailors his inking style to the um, tone of the book. Like this book does not need to be dark, right. so it's mostly line. Whereas I think he showed. Um, Oh, what was what was the example he used for the dark um, inks? That Invaders it, or whatever recently. It could have been Invaders, maybe, um, but it was. You could tell that he's actually. There's a lot of thought going into the representation of this book, which is great, and it, you can. It, it just feels right. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it very much. So there you go. They're killing it. They, they are, with the exception of Wacky Races, which is not killing it. If if you take the average between the three of us, Wacky Races is not killing it. Yeah, but you gotta have that. Yeah, there's there's you know, when you think about it, everything's gonna be a home run. I they're they've released four and seventy five percent is not a bad No. Not a bad record. Not at all. No. Especially when and there might be people who, who were digging Wacky Raceland and, and you know, enjoying it. So I'm not going to say I'm not feeling it. It's not a bad comic book, but when I compare it, well, when I compare it to the other three that they're doing, uh, it's it's not even close to the quality of the other three are putting out. Yeah, Scooby's definitely number one for me. Agreed. Yeah. Then um, was number two yet. Oh, it's good. Then then Future Quest and Flintstones and uh, Wacky Raceland would be at the bottom. What else? Uh, let's see. I mentioned Flash number one, right, last week? Yeah. Okay. Um, there was, what else? And we touched on Wonder Woman number one. I, I went back and read Justice League 51. There's your Paul Pelletier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought he would continue for the second part, which was weird that he did. Yeah, but it, there was no, yeah, but it wasn't, there wasn't reason to have a second part because 51 was just, all about Robin being introduced to the league. So it really felt, it wasn't, it, it had the tone for me of an inventory issue. It was like, we just got done with the dark side war and whatever was going to happen next wasn't finished. So let's throw this issue out there. And it's, it's written by, um, by Abnett. It's, it's, it's a well done issue. It, it's the, the rest of the team is getting, uh, is finding out 
that Batman has a sidekick and he, um, Oh, it's so strange. <laughs> and, and it's a couple of the guys are not mocking him, but, but, but having a laugh a little bit at, at everybody's expense. Um, Wonder Woman is impressed with Robin's, uh, ability to handle himself under pressure and, uh, and his intelligence and Robin's in awe of Superman, but it was, it, it, it just, it felt for me a little out of place after the dark side war. And then immediately following this, you have the issue of, of Lex getting the cape that, that he's rocking in action comics. So, um, this this could have been a free comic book day issue, honestly. It just it it felt weird in 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 its placement. And that's the last issue, right? Fifty two is the last issue. Of I, this, uh, I think so because because Justice League Rebirth came out this week, and I don't know right. if that's replacing that book or if if. Uh, but I think yeah, I, I think after Justice League Rebirth, you're going to have. Um, that's just going to be the new Justice League, which, which I guess is, is by hitch. So I don't, I, I might be done with Justice League for a while. Hmm. I'll tell you how it is. Please do. Well, it'll be a spin on the last time when it was you telling me how good it was <clears throat> and I wasn't reading it. Well, the only difference is I was telling you how good it was. Ah, don't be a depressing person. Jason, what do you got? Oh man, I got so many things. I, I read a crap ton because I was on a little vacation, as you know. Bring it. Um, so another book that was not a Valiant book but received a ton of Harvey nominations happens to be a book that I read over my little trip. And uh, I read the first two volumes in trade paperback uh, of a book called Giant Days uh, by Boom. It is, uh, let's see yeah. here, the creators, I don't want to bastardize their names. Uh, created and written by John Allison, illustrated by Lisa Treeman. Uh, with colors by Whitney Coger. And, uh, so this is, it's, uh, volumes one and two collect issues one through eight. And I was hearing a lot of good things about this book, so I, I ordered it sight unseen. Um, and as it turns out, it is a book, uh, it's a slice of life book. So, uh, probably makes, it'll make Vince's skin crawl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only if it included espionage too. Uh, yeah, really. Include espionage, but Damn. but it's it's probably still not far off from Vince's. Like, uh, this is where our concentric circles sadly don't overlap. Um, it's it's the uh, a look at the first few weeks at university for three young women that become fast friends, uh, Susan, Esther, and Daisy, and they're all very different. Uh, Daisy is this kind of um, like wild-haired, glasses-wearing, really skinny girl that's a, a virgin. I'm not sure she's ever even kissed a guy. Um, she thinks she might be a lesbian, but she's not sure. Uh, she's very mousy. Uh, they kind of work to pull her out of her sh- out of her shell a little bit. Uh, you've got Esther, who's the goth girl. She's super hot, like pale. Guys love her, but she's a, just a magnet for trouble. Like everywhere she goes, there's chaos. And and uh, and then Susan, who's kind of the ringleader, the voice of reason. She she she's dressed in kind of grunge clothing, flannels, and the like, but. She actually ends up being the one that gets in a relationship right away and, and dating this like sort of perfect guy or whatever. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, I could see why it's getting such critical acclaim. Um, it's just a very interesting look into college life and, uh, you know, from a, from a th- perspective of three women. So, um, you know, sadly different view of college than, than perhaps what, what I had when I was in college. But, um, 
but really, really smartly written. Uh, the Lisa Treeman, who I, I don't know if she's done any other comics work. This is certainly the first I've seen of her. Um, awesome style for this kind of book. Um, you know, a very, very um, uh, illustrative faces. Um, and she's had a lot of fun with some of the, like the sight gags to evoke humor and, and motion. Um, she just does a really good job of caricature. Um, it's, it's a fairly simplistic cartooning style. I wouldn't say it's, it's overly detailed, especially the backgrounds. Um, but it gets the job done. And, uh, it's, uh, it was a super quick read. I read all eight issues in uh, probably less than an hour. Um, and volume three, I think is solicited in this month's previews. So, uh, highly recommended. Again, like I would slot this book in if you, if you like Slice of Life, definitely something you need to check out. If, um, if you're looking for a book that is all ages or even perhaps designed for a young, a young woman, um, this book definitely would fit into that as well. Um, so, uh, two big thumbs up for, for, uh, boom here for giant days. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, this was a web, published on the web first. Um, this is a collection of, of those web comics. I'm pretty sure. Although I'm I've never even heard of this. Well, now you have. I gotta look into it, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it, the Harveys, I think they're, it, this, these were, it was nominated like four or five categories for the Harveys. Um, and in keeping with critically acclaimed books that I've been meaning to read and have been on my shelf for a while, um, Jillian Tamaki's Super Mutant Magic Academy by Drawn and Quarterly. Um, this was something else. I, I, uh, you know, I, I was very much a fan of, uh, of Julian's, uh, work, um, with her, her cousin this one summer, two years ago, you might recall. And so this is just by Julian. She writes and draws this one. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's this fun, fun book where it's 280 some pages where the setting is, as you might imagine, a school for gifted youngsters. And it's a little bit of a play on the Harry Potter meets Xavier. So you've got anthropomorphic characters, you've got superpowered characters, you've got witches, uh, but basically kids that have something extraordinary about themselves. But Tamaki uses that as the backdrop for an otherwise very much biting acerbic look at teen angst. And most of the stuff is one page vignettes. Um, now there are parts of the book that go on for more than one page, but for the most part, they're one page vignettes. So like, um, like for example, there's, there's a, like it, it's just easier to give cause, cause it's just, it jumps all over the map in terms of the stuff that she addresses. Um, there, there's a scene where two girls are studying. One girl's got cat ears. And the other girl is kind of a, a relatively ugly, uh, nebbishy looking girl with, with big thick glasses. And she, it's pretty clear throughout the book, she has a crush on her friend that has the cat ears. And, um, and, and, and in the panel, the, the, the cat ear girl goes, okay, do it again. And then the, the other girl says, good, God, fine. Hey, Wendy, do you have a date for the dance next week? And then she says, oh, Corey, well, I wasn't planning on going, but I'll make you a deal. Make you a deal. Ugh, it sounds like I'm on a game show. Too casual, you think? And then the other girl says, oh, Wendy, whatever. Why don't you ask him out? It's not like he's going to say no. And she says, Marsha, are you mad at me? No, I just adore watching you fawn over some dude when I'm in reality the one who's in love with you. And then the panel's like just silent, like, you know, pause. And she's like, I'm kidding. And then the next panel is her staring in a mirror just looking all dejected. Because, of course, she's not kidding, you know. And uh, it's just stuff like that. But, like, because they're extraordinary creatures, it's like, like it's 
there's just like random random oddity to it. Like there's a a, li- a girl, there's a lizard creature, and we know she's a girl because she has a little a little bow at the top of her head. But she's so angry that she didn't win uh, like a beauty contest. But like she's this hideous lizard creature, right? Like it's just it's uh, <laughs> it, it's just and like there's like a, a vampire boy, and he's like also happens to be a kleptomaniac and. Like there's people with eating disorders. It's just it's just Tamaki's look at like teen life, but rather than just do a slice of life book, she has these people be somewhat extraordinary in another way, just as a little trope to help you know make the medicine go down. Um, it's just super well done. I mean, I think she's an amazing cartoonist, and the book is almost entirely black and white. And then every now and then you get this random splash of color. Um, like there's a about halfway through the book there's a, a a page where it's just it's six panels on the first panel you see a little spider on a wall and you just see a bubble a word one says it was spider and then the next panel the two girls the lizard girl and the other regular girl say hey don't kill it spiders are good so the the one girl scoops the spider onto a piece of paper you know and then takes it outside and puts it out on a leaf says there you go little guy and then they show off a, 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 a next panel is a fly flying by. And then the sixth panel is the spider they just let loose, absolutely devouring this fly. But the panel's in bright blood red. And it's just like there's no colors throughout the whole book, and all of a sudden there's this bright red red panel. It's just really, like, interesting choices she makes, and her style varies so so dramatically. And then, like, there's a character that, uh, it's it's a boy, but he's engulfed within a tree. It's kind of like a tree. And, and there's a scene where, like, one of the girls is really nervous about wanting to ask this boy to the dance. And then her friend's like, well, I don't know. He's a tree. I don't think he could go to the dance anyway. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Dances are stupid. You know, it's like, um, and then like later in the book, they just have this dude, like he molts and like his skin starts tearing apart and he climbs out of his molted skin that was trapped inside of a tree. And now he's a winged butterfly boy. Like, it's just like crazy shit like that, like throughout the whole book. And um, this is, I think, four years of, of comics that she collected that she had been doing on her site. Uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, Vince, you would this, whereas I know you probably wouldn't like, um, you wouldn't like Giant Days at all. You would love this, I think. I really do think that. And, uh, I'm pretty sure this either won or was nominated for an Eisner last year, um, which is why. I like Tamaki's work a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think both Tamaki cousins are very, very talented, but Julian, I think I might give a little bit of an edge to. Um, so yeah, so this is called, uh, Super Mutant Magic Academy, and it's, uh, by Drawn and Quarterly. Uh, it was 22.95 cover. I, uh, I'm sure I paid, what, 60% of that, I guess? Be my guess. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, and the other thing, too, D&Q always does such a nice job with the packaging, right? Like, you've got a, a, a beautiful, a beautiful, like, square-bound book with, with a nice dust jacket. It's, uh, it's a really well, well put together package. Um, so yeah, so I'm all about that slice of life this week, it seems. Cool. Fitting since I was reading all this stuff on vacation. Oh, speaking of I slice got- of life. Oh, what do you have? Well, no. Do you want to tag team now? No. Okay. Oh. Shut me not, down. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, no, I have, I want to springboard on Jason's magic. Okay. Because I got something with magic in it. And I have a lot, you know, it's really strange. Concepts will, will bubble to the surface and stick around for a while and then go away. And then uh, another couple Months or years later, there's a resurgence where I see a lot of the same concept. Sure. I am seeing a lot of Frankenstein monster lately. Huh. A lot of it. And um, I want to talk about Cinema Purgatorio number two. 
But before I do, I want to talk about Code Pru 1 and 2, which did arrive in my, my last DCBS box. Now remember, I, to, I told you about Prudence, the, the main character in Code Pru that's in Cinema Purgatorio. She's the EMT. Yes. Uh, FDNY EMT. And the Code Pru issues, which were published obviously before Cinema Purgatorio, take place a good deal of time before the events in Purgatorio. So it shows Prudence studying to be an EMT. She's not a full-blown EMT yet. And she's rooming with three women, all of which are witches, or witch wannabes, anyway. Uh, which kind of creates a hostile atmosphere because Prudence is an empiricist. She needs the proof, the data, the scientific method, the hypothesis. She needs deductive reasoning to come to a a conclusion. Whereas the three women that purport to be witches, (laughs) and there's a really great scene in the beginning of the first issue where they're doing their little, oh, she of the goddess of the sky. They have their, 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 their pentagram drawn on the living room floor and their candles and they're all sitting there in their underwear. And Prudence is watching the Mars rover on her computer. And it just immediately establishes the, 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 split between the way the the three girls think and the way prudence thinks she's like isn't this fascinating we're on mars and the girls are like yeah whatever and they have their little their little um althame there and there's you know the ceremonial blade they're doing this ritual and prudence just rips them apart she's like this is bullshit it's crazy you don't even know if this is real or not um so the three girls they are varying degrees of um wannabe witches like they're all in magic for the wrong reasons. The 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 ringleader's name is Lisa. She's a hot topic witch. She's a goth. Does the whole the black leather. Um, she's the leader of the group. She's pretty much hungry for for power and attention. Um, but Daddy has a big bankroll, so she doesn't care, right? Um, there's a mousy um, Asian looking woman named Judy. Uh, and for her, she's into the magic as a means to an end. She joins a group that does magic. She has friends, a sense of belonging, right? And, and then you have Bridget, who's a little, more than a little overweight, and she's a complete horn dog. She just wants to get laid. She's into magic to do the, 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 the tantric stuff to, to, to Sounds just, like, uh, to, Fat Amy from, uh, from, yeah. Pitch uh, Perfect. Yeah, kind. Uh, think of Amy with dark hair, and it's not too far from the oh, mark. Oh, so it's more like Faith. Uh, again, <laughs> this... <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm not going to hate that. that. No. The, the, actually, this is the funniest Garth Ennis since hit, Hitman for me. I think Ennis is really on point with this series. Um, once you hear the setup... So you have these three... Th- would be witches living with an empiricist and um cons lisa and prudence are constantly at each other's throats to the point where lisa's like okay bitch i'll show you i'm gonna do the grand right i'll show you about magic and i guess this grand right is obviously not for novices it's it's this spell that's supposed to invoke something that that you know fledgling magicians should not be playing around with 
but she says she's going to do it anyway. And other girls are like, oh, she's badass. And in the middle of the ceremony, um, when they're supposed to invoke or, or materialize this, this thing, Prudence starts rolling her eyes into the back of her head and choking and, well, she's pretending that the, the, the entity is manifesting in her body. And when Lisa finds out that she's just kidding, she loses it. She comes at her with the Altime. She's swinging and trying to cut her and it's like, whoa, whoa, back up, bitch, you know? And as she's swinging at her, she cuts Judy's throat, the mousy one. And Prudence being a, a, a EMT in training takes care of the situation and Lisa's daddy, who is stinking rich, you know, bought her off. Lisa's and her family. So now Lisa's rich. Um, but the, the real Ennis part of the series is there are other things going on within the organization Prudence has yet to join. There's a man named John Squidpump. That's his name, John Squidpump. He is a self-proclaimed hospital administrator, but he's also a bit of a warden because in the basement of this hospital, he has a menagerie of Lovecraftian horrors imprisoned. There's an actual elder god incarcerated in the basement of this hospital. And you're like, what? Um, so in, in issue one and two, Squid Pump comes to the, the elder god and he, they're throwing profanities and Ill, insults at each other. And this thing is like tentacled with eyes all over it. And it's just disgusting looking and it's in this cell. It's got no recourse but to play Squid Pump's game and they're, they're, they're berating each other. And then the, the elder god says, all right, let's play Monopoly and pulls out a fucking game of Monopoly and puts it down on a little table. And the elder god says, okay, I want to be the little dog. And then they just continue to throw insults at each other while playing Monopoly. It's Ennis. It's typical Garth Ennis, right? But this, there's no hint of any of this in Cinema Purgatorio. When we first see Prudence, she's already a full-fledged EMT. Like, they, they don't describe, and I hope they will, what happens to her sensibilities when she finds out that there are, or there may be, magic in the world and there exists these extra dimensional creatures of which the witches were trying to summon and it's and it also turns out that mr squid pump has the hots for prudence so i'm sure it's not the last time we'll, we're going to see him uh but it, it's just a, it's i think it's a great series but i'm at a loss to call the stuff that's in cinema purgatorio great because you're not getting the whole picture in the, these little eight-page snippets, like you published two issues that kind of fleshed out what was going on with Prudence before she joined the the, the FDNY. But then once she's in there, all that backstory's lost. Like if you didn't pick up these two issues that were offered with connecting covers in the wake of Cinema Purgatorio, you wouldn't know. All this humor and stuff would be gone. Like I don't understand the reasoning behind Avatar deciding to pick up with this story weeks, months, I don't know. There's a definite gap in time between issue two of Code Prue and this Cinema Purgatorio stuff. Like Prudence's hair is even short. In in the in her in the single issues it's long. So time is lost. Why would they do this? I don't know. 
I, I have no logical reason why they would do it. Because these single issues are great. The humor's fantastic. You, you need to read them. Jason, you're getting Cinema Purgatorio? No, I'm not, buddy. Why? It's an anthology. Uh, no, I know. I, I just didn't. Avatar is one of those titles. I just I, I skip right by it generally, unless you unless you woo me back in. So I, I didn't even notice it. Right. No, I, I get that. I yeah. get it, and, and rightly so in a lot of instances, right? But Alan Moore, at least yeah, you, but know, you know, like we were talking about offline, Providence is a fucking bore. And it's a snooze fest. So I it just is. I don't know. Yeah. For the first time ever, I'm not feeling like Alan Moore's a must read. Well, in issue two of Cinema Purgatorio, he and Kevin O'Neill, they do the, the the Cinema Purgatorio intro, which is, you know, eight pages. But this one, the, I was a little stymied on the last one. It was it would just seem to be a weird take on the Keystone Cops. But this one, there's a Roman centurion mm-hmm. and an old man. And they're pondering the nature of God and reality. And over the course of eight pages, they become self-aware. The characters realize that the, their dialogue is appearing, is, is taking place on a manufactured stage. Like the, the centurion's like, I'm looking around and I'm seeing things that I don't understand. It seems like people are watching us. The, the, I, I held my shield up and reflected in the shield were eyes. Um, uh, uh, they peered through spyglasses in iron boxes. Postured in barbaric finery. And the old man's like, what? So he's like, oh, go, go look for yourself. And he walks off panel and comes back and he's like, you're right. Our, our city, our, our, is held up, is flat on the backside and held up by pipes. Like they realize that they're characters in a work of art. Oh, damn. And it destroys the old man. And, and he's like, I can't take this. To the centurion, you, you gotta end my life. And, and the Roman centurion's like, I salute you. And he goes to stab him with his sword, and the sword breaks off because it's balsa wood. And he's like, please, just, just kill me. And, and, and the centurion eventually strangles the old man to death. But I think this is one of Valen Moore's better short stories. I'm not doing it justice. You have to read it. It's just, it's, it's, it's the whole fourth wall and the, the, the characters realizing that they are works of fiction within a fictitious realm, uh, orchestrated by something else. Is the higher power the, the film industry or is the higher power God? What's the difference? Right? They're still unable to, to see it or deal with it or communicate with it. So, I mean, it's a really good story. Um, the Code Prue chapter, uh, the Frankenstein monster just wants a piece of pizza. And he's being brutalized by a group of cops. Um, one of the cops calls for an EMT. Uh, the other ones don't know that he did that. And when, when Prue and her partner get there, and her partner, um, is a gay black man. So when, when they get there, uh, the partner tries to break up the scuffle and the police immediately immediately start hurling insults at him they call him faggot cocksucker blah 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 and and they're like yeah i'm sure you're going to write us up for this he's like i'm not writing you up for this i'm writing you up for the brutality of this 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 creature and one of the cops is real short on his um time in the force like he's going to retire soon and he wants that pension he can't have somebody writing him up and there's violence and it's it's everything you see in the current news um, 
illustrated by Rollo Caceres. It's, it's, it's a little hard to read, um, in light of recent events, but, uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is the Frankenstein monster does get his piece of pizza. So, uh, but I think you should, being the anthology lover, you should really check this out because it is definitely with, um, Ignacio Calero and Kieran Gillen's modded. You look at this book, it's by far the best illustrated book, um, Avatar has ever put out. Okay. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And then you get the vast with Gabriel Andrade in the back and the detail on the monsters is incredible. Um, one little nit to pick. It was solicited at five ninety nine for issues one, two, and three. Uh-oh. Issue four is now six ninety nine, I believe. So they're they're slowly raising the price on this thing. It's a fifty some page square bound prestige format, glossy cover, um, but it's all black and white. Like I don't think this book costs that much to to produce yet. They are a small company, so take it as you will. And there's dildos and blowjobs in it. How the hell with it being an anthology? That's more so right. If you're looking for horror with dildos and a little bit of blowjobs, tastefully done. I mean, the Alan Moore story is worth the price of admission alone. It's great stuff. Yep. I have yet to win Jason over with this, but I will. Well, now that you mentioned blowjobs. That doesn't always win him over. Nah. Well, it's a girl giving a guy a blowjob, right? See, he wasn't even here for when I was talking about that. He went Damn. to, to Sam. It's all right. All that. Sorry, I let the puppy out. He thinks I don't have great ears. I let the puppy well, out, dude. He also, he also <laughs> sent a message. So, so. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> well, See, I wasn't going to put him on blast. I was, I, was, I was deep in it. I was deep in it. You were up in it, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's in the, the um, what is it? The uh, The modded chapter. That Tommy Zero and his crew, they summon this demon and it's a, uh, thrice ball volleying debaser and it's, it has, it's blind and his, its tongue has three tentacles on it and they're designed to, for one thing. And so Tommy and his crew get, get blown by a demon in it. And it's beautifully illustrated. <laughs> Yes. What else we got? I got lots more. Uh, I, a couple things. I read the first four of 17 chapters of this new Life and Death. What is series that? from Dark Horse, which is the, the post Prometheus story. It takes place one year, 43 years after the events of, um, of the, of Prometheus, there's it's it's seventeen parts or what's it online? No, no, no. It, it it's the first one was a um was the uh, the Predator miniseries, Life and Death. The next one is uh is let's see, I have it right here, um Prometheus, Life and Death. So that is the first issue of that is part five of seventeen. So you'll oh, have so you'll have Predator Prometheus, then you'll have uh I'm guessing Alien. 
Yeah. Uh, and then probably everything all together. So yeah, so it, it's, they're just letting you know the first four issues were one through four of 17 and now this is number five. So it takes place, um, 43 years after the movie Aliens and over just over a year of the events from Fire and Stone. Oh, so it's still not up to the Prometheus movie yet. It's post Prometheus movie. Because the engineers are in it. The engineers are okay. in the first one. So, yeah, yeah, right. so it's, uh, it's, um, so yeah, so it's, it's well after the Prometheus movie. It's, it's the half a century after Aliens. Um, since that's really the last movie that the franchise had. <laughs> that matters. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, that exists. Uh, but the, the first part, the, uh, the Predator story was a, it was a predator story. It, it, there's really it, it's predators versus everybody else, and and you kind of just know. It doesn't matter how many issues the story is going to be. That's you 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 know where it's going. You know what's going to happen. Uh, one or two people might escape, but for the most uh-huh. part, if you have uh, if you have a bunch of marines with guns, the predators are going to hunt them, and they're they. Uh, the, there is, there's a group of Marines on their way to a, um, on their way to a planet that, uh, is pretty much, um, part of the whole, uh, um, way you, the whole why you conglomerate corporation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so there's someone who, um, the, uh, what was yeah, Wayloon Yutani. It was it, it's damn app on because uh, I have my iPad open. Um, so Tartarus is where they're headed. Uh, there's a uh, a WY representative on the ship. He's there to make sure that everything is is uh, is followed according to Wayloon Yutani's rules. Uh, the Marine Corps, they're basically as a glorified security, private security firm, but, uh, there are already people on the planet who shouldn't be there. So the, uh, the Marines are there to either arrest them, get them off the planet and make sure that everything is fine for, uh, the corporation to move forward. A few people wander into the Marines camps. They're unarmed. And that's pretty much why they have survived. They've been on this planet for a while. They're aware of the predators. They know the predators are after that were after them. That's why they no longer walk around with any weapons because predators are going to want to. That's a challenge. So, uh, they, they've stayed alive by not worrying about having to fight the, uh, the hunters. Like I said, it's four issues. Uh, shit breaks out. Hell's a popping. It's 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 crazy. Uh, but they find the ship, a rather large ship, that looks an awful lot like the engineer ship from Prometheus. So mm-hmm. um, the pilot is able to 
get the ship off of the planet and, uh, and, and now is just kind of cruising with the remaining members of, uh, of his party and the, and the Wayland representative. And that's where, um, that, that that's where we end the issue and begin the, uh, the Prometheus chapter of the story. So the, uh, this one is pretty much this story so far. Uh, whereas the fire and stone, you had a couple different writers on that one. This is mostly, um, well, so far, I want to say mostly it's, it's, um, it's Dan Abnett who seems to be my favorite writer this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Abnett is the writer of Predator Life and Death and Brian Albert Thais is the, uh, is the artist and Rain Burrito does your colors and it's, it's pretty, it's slick looking art. It, it's, uh, it reminds me, I, I said before, it reminds me of, um, Mooneyham to a degree, just not as, um, Mooneyham's got a little bit more of a scratchy John Bushima feel to it. This, this has that scratchiness and, and everybody is, is kind of slender and, um, angular, but it doesn't have the, um, that like Bushima flow that, that Mooneyham does, uh, has. So I thought it was, um, as far as continuing that whole Prometheus story and then going from fire and stone and now to this, to see where it's, it's, uh, where they're taking this whole idea. Uh, I'm, I'm in it for that. So, uh, yeah, I was, I, I thought that was, that was, I, I didn't know it was coming. I, I saw the, uh, the Prometheus issue and then found out that it was, that the story had already started. So I went back and, and dug up the, um, the predator issue. So I was pleasantly surprised with that. And then I also caught, I finished jacked read five and six on that to finish that series that, uh, was fucking nuts from start to finish. It was, um, it, it, there is an ending, but where it's, it's, um, it's the kind of ending where if, if you want to, uh, if someone wants to take the idea and run with it, they uh they can do something else they could do a world of jacked and and have one or two of the characters but the the main character definitely had uh he learned a few things over the course of the story there was some growth there it did it, not everybody was the same way they were when the when the series started which was kind of neat and it is it's it's just absolutely nuts it's um the the things my man does when when he's on the drug and then what he's seeing when he's trying to, uh, the, the, the shit that's going through his head and what he's hallucinating while, while things are going on. He's got, uh, he, he's trying to save his family and he ends up in this house to, to stop the people that are going to harm his family or, or to make sure that his family stays safe. And, and he's going through and every room he's going into is a different room. That's a reflection of, of when he was in junior high or high school and everything that he was dealing with. And, uh, there's one room. It's just, He's, he's facing a bunch of tits, just like nothing but tits all over the place. It's and, my room. Yeah. And it's, and then one of them starts showing teeth, but that's because there's a dog barking and, and ready to attack him. Um, and, and my man's being used a little bit, but he, uh, you also find out that basically as far as this drug is concerned, as far as Jackson's concerned, uh, drugs are bad. They're not going to solve all your problems. And, uh, and he, 
there's shit he has to deal with based on his, his actions have consequences. So it, oh, I was happy with the way the story ended because I didn't feel like, uh, there was nothing learned and, and we're just we're in the same shape we were when the story started. There was, uh, it, it was, it was a hell of a journey. So I, I was, I was really, really digging it. I would, it's, it's definitely one of those things where if you see it, if you see the collection, on, on sale or you're just, you know, you want something a little nuts that you're not normally getting from, from your other stories, then, uh, I would definitely give it a shot. It was, it was crazy. It was, and my man is, um, he's somewhat relatable, especially if you're, if, if, if you're in your forties and, and you have a family and, and there's, uh, you know, there's just shit you're dealing with, whether it's at work or at home, it's, I think that's why I enjoyed it is because there's, there's a lot of what was going on in the book that you kind of just in real life, you would just see. So that was, um, whereas you're reading a Superman comic book, just not a lot. You can really relate to in that. Not so much with Jack. So I, I, I thought that was pretty neat. So yeah, then the, um, and then I took Jason's, uh, advice and, and caught up on, uh, Doctor Strange. Which, and like you said, it, it, the, the issue, it, I, I read eight and nine and it looks like, uh, the last days of magic concludes with number 10. And, uh, yeah, I am dying to see how, how Aaron gets to, uh, puts a little bow on all of this because nothing is, nothing's really going to be the same. Yeah. Talk about blast from the past. There's a, uh, all new, like prose novel in, uh, about Doctor Strange called The Fate of Dreams in previews written by Devin Grayson. Wow. Yeah. Talk about the Wayback Machine. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Jason, while David brought up the uh, current Val, um, Vertigo, yeah. you, you were dead on about our ops. You know I was. <laughs> I yeah. loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't get the sense that a lot of the Vertigo stuff is selling all that well, but I think almost all of it's very high quality. Well, what I've read. Yeah, yeah I read read some of Jacked uh, that David talked about, mm-hmm. Ardops. Uh, uh, Tom King's book is great. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what do you got, Jason? Well, uh, I mean... Did you, did you read anything thick this week? Something big and meaty and chewy? Uh, I read a couple thick things. Love me the <laughs> thickness. Except when it's in the Valiant comic. What's up? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, well, you, you wanna, I, I, no. I feel like I shouldn't talk about it cause it's... No, I wanna hear your take your on it. It's your, it's your... That's, that's why I'm holding back. Jesus Christ. I'm so, 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 for the listeners out there, uh, Vince hits David and I up and he's just like, put in the book. Put in the books. I got my book of the year. It's going to win the 11 Oscars, best book, best book I've read in years. Got it. Lock it down. Lock it up. Um, so we're like, all right, all right. Duly noted. Duly noted. What you got? And he tells us it's uh, The Art of Charlie Chan Hock Chi uh, by Sonny Liu. And uh, I love Sonny Liu because he's the dude that drew... American-born Chinese and boxers and saints, yep. with my man, with my man Gene Luan Yang, and he's, as you said, been doing Doctor Fate in the New Fifty Two, 
Um, so I didn't realize he had a new book out. So when you mentioned this, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I missed this. I don't know when it was solicited, but I totally missed it because I'm always on the lookout for his stuff. Um, and so as soon as you said how good this was, I got on, uh, the internets with the quickness and, uh, primed that shit right to my house. And this is by Pantheon. Um, and you were right. I mean, it's an incredible achievement, uh, in form and function. It's, it's, uh, it's like a masterclass in, in, in cartooning. Uh, Like it's, you know, it reminds me, it's, this book is in no way, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna compare this to Aphrodisiac and it's in no way like Aphrodisiac in tone or, or, um, or, or content or style, but, but the thing that made Aphrodisiac over the top for me and one of my favorite comics of all time was the care with which Jim Rugg put in every facet of the book from the interstitial ads to the, uh, intentional yellowing of the pages mm-hmm. to, you know, it really, you could tell that he thought through every aspect of this book and he wanted the, the entirety of the presentation to, to be important, um, not just the cartoons themselves. And Lou does the same thing here. I mean, he, he provides such depth to everything that he's doing in this book. It's incredible. Um, and he shifts styles on a dime. Yeah, it's just be, incredible. Be, because the, the conceit of the book is Sonny Lou bringing you the work of this Charlie Chan Hock Chi who doesn't exist. He's a fictional construct. All of the art in this book is Sonny Lou. Well, and that's the most bananas thing. So you, you praised this book. Then you said it was by Sonny Lou. So I went and, like I said, I went and bought it and started reading it. And I read it in the last two days. And I did not know, like I intentionally didn't want to know until the end whether this was real or not. Mm-hmm. Because it's presented with a hundred percent candor that this yep. is Lou doing a graphic novel about the life of the world's greatest, or the, or of sing, of Malaysia's greatest car- cartoonist ever, um, uh, Charlie Chan Hock Chi. And, as you said, it's all the more astoundingly impressive of a comic when you realize that he made the dude up. Because it's not just about a story about this dude where we're seeing pages that are in present day of an, of an elder gentleman that's him, Talking about his time in, in different eras of his life, the, the World War and and protests against communism, but as you said, with each each flashback, we're seeing we're seeing uh, we're seeing different illustration illustrating styles, and we're seeing because it's supposed to be a book about Charlie Chan Hock Chi, who is an illustrator. We're seeing pages from these old comics that he did that reflected the times and and his struggles as a young cartoonist. To get published, and um, and then once he started getting published, the battles he had with his partner over finances, and uh, yeah. and the thing to, to think that this is all from Sonny Lou's head is just incredible. Because with each page where he's showing you old flashback uh, strips, he's he's giving you bibliographical references and historical yeah. <laughs> context notes, and there's liner <laughs> notes, and there's interstitial notes, and handwritten notes all about it's nuts to help fill in the narrative from a historical perspective. And there's 
there's ha- there's rough hewn hand drawn sketches from when 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 Charlie was a young boy and there's portraitures that he did just of different people in his life and there's there's pencil and charcoal drawings of the sundry store that he grew up working in because his dad owned. I mean, it's it's just incredible yeah, to it's, think. It's insane. Yeah. It's 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 also uh, evoked memories to me of a uh, of boilerplate. Remember by mm-hmm. Paul Guinan and yeah. his wife. Yeah. Um, because that too, like they made up boilerplate completely, and then they created this history book about it. Um, but see, the thing, f- mm-hmm. if I can yeah, just add something here, the thing for me is. Um, in tracing the the life of Charlie Chan Hak Chi, and I think the fact that part of his name is Charlie Chan should alert you to the fact sure. that he's really he's really not Chinese. Um, uh, he Charlie Chan Hak Chi hooks up with a man named Bertram, and they start producing comics together. Right. And they they it's go to different publishers. Yeah, right. Yeah. They go to different publishers together, and um, just trying to feel out the, the water. So they they do. Um, their version of great of Britain's Eagle magazine, and theirs is called Invasion or Dragon. No Invasion, Indeed. and so it's stylistically it's like Eagle. But then there's a uh, they try their hand at comic strip, and it's a pogo takeoff, and it looks a lot like Walt Kelly. And then there there are books in here that are supposed to look like EC Comics. Like the Harvey Kurtzman mm-hmm. war stories, yeah. they, they do a pastiche on those. Um, they try superheroes with this character called Roachman. Um, and, they and. They do like a Mad Magazine take. Yeah. Uh, there, there's. They do, a um, they do a, like a Disney little vignette. There's even a Frank Miller-esque, um, Dark Knight There's, Dark Wally, there's a Hollywood, uh, Hollywood right. homages, yeah. Right. And it's all Sonny Lou. And, and like I said, there's charcoals, there's pencils, there's paintings. There's, there's um, stitched dolls. Yep. yep. Uh, Hak Chi has a, a very uh, strong infatuation for uh, Tezuka. And so early on in his career, he's he's drawing a little like uh, Tezuka. And the character from that work, they make it into a doll in here. And it's it's all presented in the Chip Kid kind of image verite. If If the only source is a yellowing dog-eared comic that's exactly how it's presented yeah. in the book if if the original artboards have yellowing uh, on them and tape and uh, words written in the margins it's all there yep. it's just uh, and the footnotes what? are incredible in the back I mean, they're so yep. detailed you're you're right i mean th- this is a masterpiece of a book yep. i mean it's it's Words cannot describe what an accomplishment this book is. It's 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 astounding. I mean, Sonny is, is if I were when I mean, you are if I were an artist, I would I would I would weep from looking at this book, thinking how how good this guy is and how I could never be as good as this guy. Seriously, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like he he's the master of twenty different styles in this book. Yep. and it's not just. You you get um, information on Singapore and the British occupation yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, it's, the Japanese encroachment. Yeah, it gives you a history of, of of Singapore pretty much throughout the whole. But it, he weaves the life of a, an aspiring comic creator in with that, and and the stylistic changes he undergoes over the years, and his as he gets older, his uh, ideas of good comics start to change and he becomes bitter. Uh, he'll read manga, but he won't pay for them. 
because it's it's all crap. But he makes sure to go to the newsstand frequently and read this manga, but never pay for yeah, it. Yeah, and he goes to the library and he takes out all kinds of books all the time too. Yeah. He, won't, he won't buy them anymore because comics are expensive now. Yeah, but uh, he's still deeply in love. Yeah. With the medium, but you can tell that he has, there's some realization that the medium has passed him by. And it's just, there's a sadness to the book in that respect. When you see this, this, this bright eyed kid who just wants to make comics. I mean, Bertram, uh, there's a lot of obstacles thrown in their way, uh, in their careers and Hak Chi just circumvents them all. He just has this exuberance to him where all he wants to do is do, do comics. And and that's kind of worn away over the years. Um, uh, stylistically, you look at this thing, and the flashbacks are in uh, black and white, and the the contemporary scenes are in color. It's 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 crazy the thought that went into this book. It's unbelievable. Like the Dato Duck in Singapore pages look yep. straight out of like uh, like like a Don Rosa. Uh, it's it's. It... Uh, it's, it's insane. That's the only word I can use. I, I, like, and just and I'm sad that you ordered it after the fact because the diamond edition mm-hmm. was offered at a ridiculous discount. I think this book is forty bucks. It's, well, it's the, thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. The diamond edition was maybe thirteen, fourteen. That's incredible because it's a big hardcover. Yeah, after discount. Um, and mine has a signed book plate in it. Oh, you That's why to look. Sorry, uh, I asked you. There's a a book plate no, um, on the facing, and it's signed. And I'm wondering if it's if it's just printed that way. It's actually stuck on the paper, so you know there was some hand manipulation of this thing. But I, I'm I'm just no, curious. I, I don't have it. That's an actual signature. Must be. I, well, if I did, I don't have it. This no. is insane. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it's superb. Part and, novel, uh, part art book, part narrative essay. That's that's about that about sums it up. There's even some pages that look like Mark Martin in here. Oh wow! They're, they're, yeah, they're very stylized, very uh, animated, um, beautiful color. I mean, he's not only a master of line. Sonny Liu is very good with color as well. And then when we get this whole dude's history. I mean, we we see him at sixteen. We see him as a young boy. We, we see, you know he we we learn about his father and how most fathers would have really would have really been down on a, a young man wanting to be a cartoonist, but that his dad was cool with it as long as he could, he could afford to feed himself. And as soon as he found out he could, he was cool with it. We, we you know, we, we, we see him falling in love and his friend, sort of a, a, a love triangle brewing. We, mm-hmm. we see him learning about communism and the protests and we see him, you know, aging and relationships that come and go. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's just so hard to believe that it's not a real person. Because yeah. of the the references and the footnotes and the annotations and everything, is it's just uh, man, I'll tell you what, this guy is. It's a humbling. It's humbling to see a guy put something out like this, and it's all him. It's he did the whole thing. It's like, it's like, did, it's like I was hoping that you didn't do your research you and you came and you came into this thinking that Hak Chi was a real person. Well, like I said, I'm reading the book the whole time and I'm not sure. I'm like, I I'm, I was like thinking, and as it's going along, I'm like, man, if this isn't a real person. Like if it is a real person, it's a fascinating book. But if it's not a real person, it's like <laughs> my head's gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Charlie Champ. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. right. It's gonna be next to impossible in the next six months for an OGN. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, once I, I, if this clock. doesn't win the Eisner, it's something terribly wrong. 
Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. I, I just uh and you know it's funny because the first time I saw Sonny Lou's art uh was in Boxers and Saints, I think. Yeah. And it's so different than than you know, it's 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 so simple, right? Like it's so mm-hmm. uh so such minimal line work in that book and and again I love that I love that that I love that book too, but but uh it, that that book didn't didn't even cast a hint of the scope of Lou's artistic abilities. Yeah, I think this is is Sonny Lou's um, mouse. This I'm not just compa- dropped a mic like what else? Yeah, what else I'm, not, I'm not comparing content, but the, everything else the 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 research, the amount of of time and energy invested in this, the presentation, the stylistic shifts. Spiegelman has lived under the shadow of mouse since. You know, it's inception. I don't, th- I, I would love to see him eclipse this, but I don't see how anyone could. This is a staggering piece of work. It's bananas. I'm so glad you turned me on to it. I, I, I honestly can't figure out why I didn't notice it in one of solicited. Now maybe it was not in previews because it's Panther. No, I, no, it was. It's no, it's the previews exclusive. Yeah. And, and Vince was talking about it. I had it in my cart for a minute. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe you talked about it on an episode I was on or something because I just don't. Until you mentioned it this week, I had no, mem- no, me- no, no, no memory of it at all. This is the kind of book you give a non-comics reader to to uh, glean what we love so much about the medium. This book, yeah, alone. yeah, you're right, you're right. And this is one of those books I would say that like I don't, I could see someone not liking this book from a content perspective because you know even though it is a made-up thing, if you're not into you know, biographical or historical comics, probably not up your alley, but I, I would this, but it's also this, but that with that said, it's a book where if, if you, if you read it and told me it was junk, I'd, I'd be done with you. Yeah. Cause you got to respect the craft. I mean, the craft is, is impeccable here. I guess Lou got some kind of grant from, um, wherever he's, he's, uh, he's from. And upon publication of the book, they were pissed. Because, uh, content wise, it's, it's not too flattering. Right. To, to, um, officials and, and the history of, of Singapore and Malaya and, and that, that area. And I guess they wanted to pull, pull the funding at, at some point. Uh, I don't know the exact story, but we'll look into that. But yeah. There was some controversy on the, on the content. Well, it's great. Yeah. You're right, man. It is great. And thank you for. For, sure. it's for for bringing it to our attention, and uh, it won't be the last time we talk about this book in the next few months. I'm no, sure. no, and and it is you know me and and historical uh, stuff. It's a big fight, but this wasn't because um, the the concept was so rich that the the historical aspects of it were were wrapped in this conceptual shell of of like say the the Tezuka pastiche and then the the Walt Kelly pastiche so I was marveling at the the execution and didn't think to get pissed off about all the historical content in it and in fact it enriched me you know and there, there's a lot of um uh protest within these pages too it some of it is very thinly veiled some of it's not uh so you know it's 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 a perfect piece of work well, to your point, you know, I've been keeping a, a database of every comic I've read this year. And, uh, this is the first thing this year that I gave a 10 out of 10 to. Nice. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, oh, David, wait, what it's else not. You... Actually, it's not. What? There was something else? Yes. What's that? The Spidey Treasury Edition. Oh, I'm still pissed off about that. That that was a classic example of bait yeah, and switch. Uh, oh, wait. That was so... I'm sorry, one more. Batman and Spirit. Oh, nice. This the Spidey Treasury edition was definitely solicited as five issues of the Spidey book. It was not three and two. And then when they published it, we we got the Bendis thing. If I it would have been a harder sell for me if I knew the Bendis thing was in there. But I ordered it, bang. As soon as I saw the Bradshaw five issues, I just put it in my cart, I'm done. And it they they did. They 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 did the old switcheroonie on us. Well, I don't want to rehash this. I I still thought it was I know. I th- I thought it was great too, but you know I would much prefer five issues. Of I mean, Spidey. I, just can't, I can't see where talking about being mad. Like I, you, to me, you can't get mad that there's two issues of Sarah Pacelli art oversized art. Like I, like that can't that can't be a bad. No, thing. No, I, I, it's not a bad thing. It's just not what I plunked down my money mm-hmm. for. So there, well, David was better for you. Yeah. <laughs> Dick, <laughs> David, what you got? How about that last crusade? Do we all read it? Yeah, that's what you want to go in with? Why you didn't like it? What? We can uh thought you two were gonna tag team. We can we, No, no, we, that's that's we're we're we can tag team on a few things, but the main thing Vince and I are gonna talk about is the autobi the autobiography that you weren't keen on. That you didn't want to bother with. What's that? Seriously. Tell him. Are we going to talk about that one now? Tell him. Do what you got to do. So, this is written by Mr. Paul Dini. Beautifully <sighs> illustrated. Yes. By Mr. Eduardo Riso. Uh, it is, um, it is Dark Knight with an N. A True Batman Story, an original graphic novel published by Vertigo. Uh, this is a story of, and I didn't realize the, the events happened so long ago. I didn't think they happened like last year, but I did not know we were going way back to, to over um, 20 years ago. However, uh, Paul Dini, who a lot of people know from the... Warner Brothers Animation Studio, working on Batman Animated Series, working on Tiny Toons, um, Mask of the Phantasm, and, and uh, also writer of Detective Comics and creator, co-creator of Harley Quinn. Uh, back when he was in California working on the Batman cartoon, um, he was mugged and beaten up pretty badly. And, uh, that is why, um, on the cover, he is all bandaged up. His, his, his head is basically looking like the negative man. And you have, uh, Joker behind him and Batman behind Joker because everybody kind of lives in Paul's head. But like I said, I did not know the, um, and it doesn't take anything away. I, I just didn't know we were, um, the, the, the era we were kind of focusing on. Cause we start off as, with Paul as a young boy and, and, uh, letting us know how he feels about the world around him and, and what he uses 
what he needs to get by. And that is, uh, that is cartoons and, and fictitious characters. His parents are very supportive. It's not like he's, he's in a broken home or, uh, abused in any way. Uh, his parents love him and, and he really wants for nothing. And, and he, uh, Basically, art is his best subject. The grades for the rest of his his classes kind of suffer a bit. Um, and we also, we don't jump around, but we're not being led by the hand going through every day of Paul's life. We find out, you know, just matter-of-factly that, you know, he's seeing a therapist as a, uh, as a young child. And he continues to see the therapist as an adult, as, as, as a grown man. And a lot of it has to do with his love life. And, and Paul apparently has been troubled and, and he, uh, there are things that have happened in his life where he kind of takes it out on himself and, uh, lots of, yeah, a was, lot of pity parties. Very, very surprised how unvarnished an account this is. Like there are things, there are scenes in this book that, I would be very reluctant to, were I the subject, I would be very reluctant to divulge that information. I wonder if part of it is that I'm already, I'm already doing this. Why am I going to hide? Why, after burying my soul in this regard, why am I going to shy away from this part of it? Right. And it's, and and it's the the scene within the book that just makes you just, the jaw hits the the floor. Yeah. Uh, J- Jason, B- Deanie's one of us. He's, he's a geek. He, he loves. Spends his money on video games su- and art. Yeah. And superhero and, culture, yeah. video games, right. art. Um, and so, you know, the Warner Brothers thing was very successful for him. He got an Emmy. So when you get an Emmy, you tend to attract people who want to ride that coattails co- into some kind of stardom for themselves. And, um, he's not an, uh, he's I don't want to he's not bad looking no, no, not of all. a gentleman no. but but he's not exactly a, a man that would walk by and, and stop he's not knocking you know, dead. stop a dime piece in yeah. the track so yeah, yeah, yeah. so he uses and, and this is very somewhat submerged in the narrative he starts a relationship and that's in quotes with this woman who makes it clear that she's not in it for him. She, she, they're friends. Yeah. She meets him for dinner. Uh, and she asks about Spielberg. Right, Did because, you see Spielberg yeah, today? You know, Tiny Toons, Paul worked, if you want to say worked, but because Tiny Toons was a Steven Spielberg creation and, and Dini worked on that. She just hears Spielberg and she basically hands him a sequel to a movie that's a blockbuster and asks Paul if he can pass this along. Right. Right. And so she's using him to get to someone higher up on the food chain where, and, and, and he's doing the same thing with her. Like he's all dismayed that, uh, you know, she's not into me. She, she's not in it for the same reasons as I, there's no, there's no, there's not a real relationship here yet. He talks about, the being with her to everybody in in the studio using her as like like because she's very attractive she's she's at least an eight 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 and a half 
Um, and, and for, you know, a borderline nine to be with this guy, yeah, he's going to run with it. He's telling all his buddies, yeah, me and we were having a good time last night, blah, blah, to the good point where they get sick of it. So he is not without fault in this. He uses her as much as she uses him. And, um, on the night of their dinner, the night he was accosted, he could have gotten a ride home with her or, or went home another way, but he tried to be all Mr. Big Balls. Because he was trying and, to plant that, that hint of jealousy because he, when she, when, right. she, when he hears from her, she's at, you know, th- that they're friends and she's asking him, you know, so are you seeing anybody? And he's thinking to himself, well, bitch, I thought I was seeing you, but mm-hmm. apparently, you know, so he's, he's trying to play it off me like, yeah, yeah, I'm seeing somebody as if that will make her jealous. And then, and she wants, she wants to make sure that when, when at first he says, no, I'm not seeing anybody, she's basically like, well, that's good because if, if you were seeing somebody, your time would be divided. I wouldn't get to hang out with my friend as often. Right. And that was like a dagger, yeah. you know? So he uses that as an excuse to walk home a different way. And it's in that process that he gets attacked by the, the guys and they beat the pulp yeah. out of him. I mean, they, 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 he thought that they were going to kill him. Yeah. And, and definitely cripple him because one of them picks his foot up and, and is ready to stomp down on his kneecap figuring that, okay, well, this is it. I'm going to be crippled for life, but he's able to, to, to move, move so that the, the, the heel of the attacker's foot ends up in, um, in Paul's thigh, but they, they beat the shit out of his face. They steal his wallet. Um, and, and Paul walks home. He, he doesn't, he doesn't make himself, he doesn't take himself to, to the hospital. He doesn't, he calls Arlene, which, um, his friend who is the voice of, of Harley Quinn on the cartoon. Um, and she's like, dude, let my boyfriend take you to the hospital. He's like, I haven't met your boyfriend, Chris yet. I'm not going to introduce myself bleeding in his front seat while he takes me to the hospital. And he waits for hours for me to get x-rays where the, where the doctor's going to tell me, you know, I'm fine. You just you need some rest. And, um, and the whole while though, Batman and the Joker and, and other assorted rogues, they talk to yeah. him. He, he complains to Batman for not being there for him. And then Batman chastised him for saying, well, you could have used the attacker's weight against them and flipped them over. Right, yeah. And through the the whole thing, I think the Joker's the voice of reason. The Joker was the best part about it. Joker was absolutely, because the Joker is, is, is just completely blunt and telling him, on himself, exact, not so much what he needs to hear, but just, there's, Joker's not lying. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. And, and yeah. um before he goes to the hospital he does call the cops the cops come they meet him at the uh they take him to the crime scene site and they're like okay well they find a receipt on the ground he goes yeah yeah this fell out of my pocket when the um it was in my back pocket with my wallet the attackers must have uh must have dropped it do you guys need it for anything? You want to let, you know, check for prints or anything like that? And the cops are basically like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we don't need yeah, that. They're not good, you know, and, and you, you just know that cops see this all the time. Nothing is going to be done about this. We're not, it barely, I don't even know if paperwork is going to be filed. Um, but then they asked Paul, so what do you do? He's like, well, I'm, I'm a writer. I, I write cartoons. And they, so one of the cops asked, well, which one? And he says, Batman. He goes, well, yeah, I guess you could have used him tonight. And they start laughing and, and, Paul's like, yeah, I, I guess I could have. He goes, but you know, Batman would have tested the goddamn receipt for Prince, and and so he's got, yeah. he's not, 
he's, I mean, snarky, but he's, he's keeping it, he's not concussed, he's not out of it, he's not, he's himself, he's just been beaten to shit, and when he finally gets to the doctor, the, um, because when he gets home, after meeting with the cops, he, uh, he, he, he has some booze, and he hops in a warm tub, which is the worst fucking thing you can do. Um, but the doctor's like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, the doctor's going to tell me it's not as bad as it looks. The doctor's like, yeah, that's that's very bad. This whole left side of your face is swollen and spongy. Uh, there's something broken here. And I'm like, dude, it's missing. It's like he's... They hit him so hard they pulped his bones. Yeah. And and there's they turn they turn him to powder. And the, the first page, the splash page, takes you to the um to the hospital bed where he he calls there's a uh there's a plastic arch um attached to the side of his head to keep him from falling over, to keep to keep him from Rolling to, on his to, side. so he stays off the left side of his face, otherwise everything the doctors just said will be off or not. But it looks like a handle, and he tells the nurse he he, he looks like the Kool Aid Man, and she just <laughs> laughed hysterically about that. So you know he's still, I, I guess you got to keep your sense of humor when all this is going on. But when um when he is thinking about other things that kind of led up to this moment, he uh he was thinking about the. Oh, while while Batman and Joker and Penguin and Poison Ivy and everybody's talking to him, especially Ivy, when she says that, um, you know, there's there was that one girl you dated, um, Regina, but when she found out that Paul invited her to be his da- her his date for the Emmys, and she's on the phone with Paul, and she goes, "Yeah, my my friend was telling me that." Um, your Emmys won't even be on TV. And Paul's like, well, yeah, there are, they're, they're splitting them, they're splitting them up in groups. And, um, the award, the creative awards is tomorrow. And then they'll probably splice some of the footage from the earlier awards during the live presentation. So, you know, we'll, we'll probably still be shown on TV. We just, we're not getting our awards at night. It'll be during the day. She's like, yeah, I don't, that's, but basically, yeah, that's not going to work for me. That That's not why I'd be going to the Emmys with you. And so she's like, but I want to know all about it. Tell me all about it when you get home. So when um, when Tiny Toons Adventures wins the Emmy, he takes the statue home. And, and for those who don't know, the Emmy is the one where the character is holding the uh, the globe, but the character, the, 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 the statue has... Uh, has these like almost sharp wings. It's very pointy. Yeah, coming out of its back. And Paul takes the pointy parts of the statue and um kind of digs into cuts his him. neck and and, yeah, and, and, and just yeah, and just basically scrapes it all over his 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 belly and and his uh and it's Again, self-inflicted, and and he. Well, a lot of the things in this book are self-inflicted. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Um, he, he's used by a lot of people, but he reciprocates, right? He he uses um, 
the the uh, thing with the girlfriend to walk down the, the 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 wrong path, putting himself in danger. He uses the beating as an excuse not to do his work. I mean, he's he's away from work for a long yeah, time. Yeah, like woe is me. But and you got to understand, like, yeah, the guy was beaten down. There's there should be a modicum of 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 self loathing, but I think he takes it a little too far. Like he just uses it as an excuse at one point. And then something happens and he gets back on the horse. But it, all, all the while, it, this thing is littered with the, the Bat family and, and the rogues. The penguin is disgusting. Yes. Very disgusting. Uh, but I think the best is when Rizzo draws the scarecrow. Oh my god, his scarecrow's amazing. I don't think I've ever seen Rizzo draw the scarecrow before. Yeah, at least not like this that I can recall. Jason, there's, um, traditional um, ink, uh, traditional pen and ink line and brush, but then he does this watercolor thing. Oh my god, it's gorgeous! It's so beautiful. Rizzo killed it on this book. Yeah, yeah. It's... Well, look, I mean, you know, I'm a humongous Rizzo fan, so. Uh, but yeah, the subject matter just didn't just didn't do anything for me. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta say, I loved it, and it's yeah. not. It's not a. It's definitely not a feel good book. No. Well, I guess we know what your two picture for best nonfiction book of the year is going to be. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We still have six months. But yeah, because you read so it, many. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's in the running, right? But it's Dude, and, whatever and it's, one you read each year is the one that wins. And so, yeah, I know. <laughs> the uh, dick. You're such a dick. The it's true. I, your favorite crime book too, Vince. Oh shit. Yep. It's a um. And I appreciated the the behind the scenes with some of the other things. Like I, I realized that you know more people than just Paul Dini and Bruce Tim were involved in creating the Batman cartoon. So we get some of the other people involved in um, you know maybe just the name, but we get we we, we get an idea as to to the team involved in in working on the cartoon. Um, this is right around the time when they were starting to write for the Mask of the Phantasm cartoon, um, adapting the full circle story. So, uh, they were working on that and there was a scene where Paul was going to write, uh, a gang beating scene and, and, uh, Alan, the producer decided to, to take that from him and let Paul write one of the, um, the Joker scenes instead. Uh, Paul brings up that he wanted an episode of this, of the cartoon where Batman gets pretty much almost left for dead. I mean, he gets shot and, and, and beat on and, um, is, is left hanging on his, uh, from his grappling hook. And he's just, he's hanging there and he's, he's passing in and out of consciousness. And it was, it was a way to bring Sandman and death into the Batman animated series universe. And they, um, they decided yeah, not to go with that because that's a little too graphic for the cartoon and, and I thought it was cool. I thought it was a great idea, but it, it's, you know, I mean, when this, when Batman animated series was on over here, it was on at, uh, three, three, on, on, yeah, I think three o'clock, maybe four o'clock on, on channel five here in New York. And then it moved to the kids WB. But I, I do think at the time, maybe seeing, um, Batman like this would have been. I mean, we got to see, you know, Dark Knight Returns Batman in the cartoon and and things like that. That was cool, but 
I think bringing a character like Death into um, into the cartoon might have been a little heavy, even though they're subtle with a lot of with many other aspects of, of the animated series. But um, uh, Jason, De- Death comes up to Batman, and she's like, "Come on, buddy, you're coming with me." And and Morpheus is like, "No, no way. This guy feeds me more dreams than you can imagine." Uh, you're not taking them. So it's mm-hmm. like, it was, it's this little brother, sc- sister, uh, scuffle. It was, it was a really cool scene. She calls Batman the cheater. <laughs> yeah. Alright, but I, I, I wholeheartedly recommend this. Oh, absolutely. I, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it, you know, maybe it can help someone else who had yeah. something very traumatic happen to them and they, they, they haven't been able to open up or, 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 um, or even just move past it. It could help them in that regard. It, it, if you're a Riso fan, it's a beautiful looking book. If, um. And attractively priced too. Yeah. And, and when you remove the dust jacket, you get the. the when you the throw the dust jacket away. Without the Sam's, uh, beautiful. Sam's yeah. lettering. I was telling Renee about it on the drive to work. It was, um. Yeah, I, I really like the, yeah, the, the flashbacks are, because he also, Paul sets up the story by basically, Using storyboards because he is a cartoon writer and, and he's trying to get the story that way. But a lot of the flashbacks when he's a young boy are more watercolory. The, uh, the more present day scenes when, when he was attacked or the, where the story is really taking place, that, that's more of the traditional art style. But it is, it's. Again, it's one of those books you can give to a non-comic reader and they'll get it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jason, did you read The Last Crusade? No. Oh, I did. All right, next week. Yeah, we can, we can do it next we can week. talk about how, how the anchor slash colorist made, made it look good. I, uh, it's, I, I, I did watch uh, Voltron, though. All of it? Yep. Oh, what did you think about the last episode? I didn't finish it. Wait, okay. what? The last episode, David. Oh my goodness. Let me get there. So yeah, good. Very strong. Very strong. Alright. I, I, Dist- disturbingly so. I, I did not I, expect I it to it be was, this good. That was a little slow in the middle. With the, the planet that was alive? Oh. I, I just think that, you know, I, I wanted more than, I wanted more Robeasts over 13 episode first season than we got. Well, I think we're going to get more next season. I know, but we got to wait a while though. It's okay. Yeah. Robust. The robust. Yes, robust robusts. So what else are we talking about here before? We got another hour. No, left. we don't, honey. We do not. Oh my goodness, look at you. I'm an old man, dude. I got a meeting in the morning. Can't do it. Uh, and I'm older than you, so. That's for sure. Alright, well. Um, maybe we should just wrap it all up. Yeah, maybe. Don't be like yeah. that. Yeah. Ah, everybody. If you want to get cheap comics, there's only one damn place to go, and it's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Absolute best. They are the big kahuna of comic book shops, stores, whatever. You can get the Doom Patrol, number one, the first salvo in DC's Young Animal. I cannot wait for 99 cents. Uh, image the Headlopper trade by Andrew McLean, 280 pages, 9.99. Don't even think about it. And from Fantagraphics, 
Love and Rockets Monthly. Number one, $1.99. Do it. Uh, another instance of the Frankenstein monster in my consciousness. Why does this happen? I don't know. But it comes in waves and then it subsides. This was published by Action Lab, Danger Zone, written and illustrated by James Wynott. It's called Bolts, number one. Well, every once in a while a comic comes along that just makes me spin, just spins my head around. It's like, where has this guy been all my life? This is one of those books. Um, the Frankenstein monster is mauled by angry villagers. That's what angry villagers do. They maul the monster, uh, to the point where they kind of rip him apart, cut his head off. He's, he's, he's maimed, mangled. Um, but before he can expire, something plucks him out of existence. This, this cosmic entity called the Observer. And he's in this extra dimensional realm and the, the Observer tells him there's something going on in the universe. It's not good. You are the only guy. You're the, you're, you're the balance. You can stem this tide of darkness. And he puts him into another dimension, this wasteland where, uh, he takes on the form of kind of a picture, the Frankenstein monster as Roland DeShane from the, the Dark Tower series mixed with a little bit of the man with no name. It's a very unique take on the Frankenstein monster. He's younger, thinner, um, not as gruesome as, as the monster traditionally is. Um, so he's in this wasteland. And he, he gets there and he first meets this, this portly mustachioed man who, who tells him, you know, I've been fighting this well, dragon. This was an accent. Hey, it's yeah. me. It's supposed to be Mario from the Mario Brothers movies. Cause he says, or the video um, game, which more people might be I, aware well, of. Well, yeah, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> How's the bugging? Because, uh, this character says, I was trying to rescue some blonde chick and I went down a weird tunnel and found myself in this godforsaken place. It's Mario. And that's the thing James Wynott said. He said, I'm taking everything I love and throwing it into this. Kaiju, you know, video games, horror, and it's done in black and white and red. It's very tastefully done. Uh, this one. This Wynott's artistic, uh, style is incredible. Uh, he, he crams every panel, every page with so much detail. It's, it's very brushy. You have these gigantic Lovecraftian creatures just shambling across the wasteland. Uh, he's accosted by these, they look like bulls or horses without heads and where their heads should be. There's gigantic gaping holes filled with teeth. Uh, it, it's an amazing first issue. Uh, I thought it's like, wow, this is fantastic. Um, where it's going, I don't know, but it's an it's only a three issue miniseries. The collected edition is offered in this month's previews. So if you want to read this, you don't want to buy the singles. You can get the collected edition. It's really cheap. I think it's like eleven ninety nine before discount. Get it. Um, so he he's in this wasteland and the dragon. Real, notices his presence. Uh, the dragon calls him the conduit. So Frankie is a conduit, but for what? I don't know. Um, there's, there's a coup going on behind the scenes. The dragon's, um, 
lackeys are are forming to try and overtake. It's it's a really good book. Uh, Bolts number one. And it's busy AF. You definitely get what. Oh, you, it's uh, very very busy. You get your money's worth when it comes to the the art per page ratio is yeah is yeah. intense. Um, it's it's if it's only now that I know it's three issues, I'll probably stick it out. Um, I didn't. It, oh, you ordered it? No, I read the first issue. Where? You get the comicsology thing? Yeah, I read the first issue. Nice. Did you like it? That's that's where I'm getting at. Well, get it because I want to know it. It. Well, like I said it's busy. It, it's I. It's busy, but it's not. I cluttered. wasn't. I wasn't lost. It's not. But and and I, I appreciate the sound effects and and some of the dialogue. Is it dead? It totes. And yeah, so it's <laughs> it's there. There are some cute. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a derogatory or, or, or condescending way. There are, it's, he's having fun. James Why Not is, is definitely enjoying himself. It's putting himself on the page. Um, it's. Uh, there's some cyberpunk or steampunk going on here mixed with gothic horror, mixed with, like I said, the Dark Tower stuff, but he, it, He's very brushy, beautiful line work, but he uses uh, uh, dot screens as yeah. well. You just you just reach right into my chest and massage my heart when you use the the dot screens. I I'm a yeah, sucker. There's, there's the manga influence. There's there's a lot. I mean, yeah, it, it's basically everything. Well, just judging by the first issue, but everything. Why not? Is a fan of is going to make its way. Into this book yep. onto these pages, um, but nothing is left up to the imagination. Every panel is filled with something, with with, with doodles, with drawings. With doesn't matter how how clear it might be. It, it, there's there's a style to it, and it it works. There's nothing lazy about it. Um, it's not like there are any any shortcuts. It's there. Every page is filled with with line work it's 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 crazy i'd be curious to know there's an insane giant kaiju thing at the end that's all red and just monstrous and blobby and just uber imposing it's just i i I loved it yeah i'm gonna need jason to flip through it i I need a um i know i i knew as i was reading it that you were gonna love it i know that you posted the cover on facebook and um so I figured, all right, well, let me at least see. How insane. Mm-hmm. Is. No, that I knew. I just, I, I, yeah. this could be one of those things where either, you know, we're, we're definitely on the same wavelength or I'm just like, wow, what medical man around must be awesome in PA. So I just need to, um, see what it is you're seeing. So I, I, I dig that it's in, that it's your, in your travels. I, like I said, though, I'll, I liked it and I, I, I respect it. I appreciate the, uh, the talent involved. I, it, it, it may just not be my type of story, but I'm, I'm glad something like this is out there. So, I mean, it's for me, or definitely for, for you, me. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, 
I think I think a lot of people will dig it, and a lot of people just might be like, "This is this is way too big. I can't concentrate on the pages. I don't know what the hell's going. My eyes are all over. I don't know what to focus on, and I just I'm I'm getting a headache and a seizure, and and I it, it's like I'm watching the Pokemon cartoon. So it's just it's it could, you could be on. It's I don't think anybody's going to really read this and be like. Yeah, I kind of like it. You're either really, really going to be all in. You're going to be like, yeah, I, I checked it out, and it's it's not for me. So we'll we'll, we'll see where it goes. Third floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Jason and I did not get to talk about something that he's been after me to talk about. So maybe we'll talk about it next week, and I won't have it as my your travels. What's that? It's a book from Dark Horse. That's an adaptation of a Neil Gaiman story. Yes. So that can be the people's homework if if they want for next week. Uh, How to talk to girls at parties. Um, In your travels, uh, what's hilarious is I read Captain America, Steve Rogers, number two. Um, I'll go with, um. Oh, that's not your in your travels? Had to talk to girls at parties? No, because Jason and I are going to. No, talk. Captain America. No. I got scratched that yeah. off the list then. <laughs> I'm scratching. Correct. I will say, um. Oh, balls. Alright, no, it, cause it was, I was thinking about it being Huck also. You know what? I'm gonna have it as this. Because I didn't start this yet. And I'm really looking forward to it. But this would be the shadow of the death of Margot Lane. Nice! Because I flipped through it and, and to see Matt Wagner drawing the shadow, um, inside. I mean, he's, he's done covers, but, but to see him draw, draw the characters, um, I just, I love Wagner artwork, but it is a, and I am not the biggest when it comes to the Pulp Heroes. It, it, the shadow for me isn't super high on the list. The sell for me here is, is Wagner, not only writing the character, but drawing it. Um, and when you actually use that as the title of your story, the death of Margot Lane, I'm, I'm, Definitely curious, but yeah, I'm going to, um, I'm going to read this for next week and I will, um, I encourage everybody else to check it out as well from Dynamite, written and drawn by Wack Wagner, colored by son Brennan. And, uh, yeah, it is, first issue is available now. I don't know when the second issue comes out. Should be soonish. Um, so, uh, in your travels, I, I, I was going to take a little different tact this week. Uh, like, uh, it, 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 yeah, no. okay. <laughs> this it's is not often, this it's is not often, Jason. Yeah, well, here's the thing. All right, here's the thing. Um, our show is 99% lighthearted. And, yeah, 99.5. yeah, and, and, and I think we're fully aware of the fact that, uh, Whatever modicum of success we have is in no small part because we are, uh, much like we, when we get together to talk, 
we're doing this for ourselves. We're friends and it's, it's an escape. We get to shut down all the, the BS that may be going on around us for a couple hours and just, uh, relish each other's time and, and the cool shit that we're into. Um, but I gotta admit, like, every now and then I'm reminded that we have this platform where we have many thousands of listeners and, uh, maybe even more than that when it comes to our social media outlets and stuff. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I just, I can't not like acknowledge what's gone on in the last few days. Like, cause it's, it's getting bananas, dude. Like, I think our world is like, I don't know if I'm just getting to be older and, and thus like crotchety, but I, I can't believe that like what's happened this week. Like I, I can't, like I can't believe that in, in, in like the last 72 hours we've had like two more, like young black men shot for seemingly no justifiable reason. And, and then like, as we're recording at a Dallas protest, a, a, a white dude takes out an assault rifle and starts shooting at black lives matter protesters and, and Dallas cops. Like, I, like I don't like, I, so I, as you can tell here, I had no, I had no script or agenda here. I just, it's been like weighing on me. And I just, I, I just wanted to say that like, to whatever extent, like our listeners care about what we think, like just like we just all need to like take some kind of action and take care of ourselves and like reach out to your local constituents and your politicians and let them know that like this isn't okay. Because sometimes I think we we keep our mouths shut because you know look we're three middle aged white dudes. Uh, it's I know one and and I know, and obviously David's wife is black and I I'm not but I'm saying but like I often am sensitive to the fact that like you know I, I don't. Like clearly this is an issue that is befallen like people of color and, and, uh, so I'm like, is this really even my place to say something? But then I thought more about it. I'm like, fucking, it, it absolutely is yeah. something that we should fucking stand up for because like clearly like black people's voices aren't being heard about this. And like, look, my dad's a retired cop. Y'all know I get mad sensitive when people start turning this into like all cops are bad thing. And that's not the truth. But that being said, I can tell you that like my father, most of his buddies, the cops I'm friends with, uh, like th- that are my age, every one of them is in favor of things changing. Every one of them thinks that there should be cameras and that there should be body cams and that they should be worked into the Miranda rights and all that sort of thing. But even if you accept all that, like that's what's crazy. Like these dudes are getting killed on camera and the cops are like not getting in trouble. And I, I don't, I just don't, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with what to like believe in. And then you like juxtapose that against what's going on with Trump. And again, I know the, the, the easiest way to lose listeners is to get political. And I, I, I apologize for that. And that's why I wanted to wait till the end of the show. But like, I've never said this before. I mean, look, I, you know, we all have our own political views and I'm certainly historically a much more conservative Republican voter than, than, than say David is or most of our listeners, I'm sure. Um, but as you also know, I've been getting further and further away from from that side of things for a long time. And, um, like, I just got to say that, like, I, I, I cannot for the life of me understand how with what we've seen in the last few weeks, someone could support Donald Trump. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like he, he's a fucking lunatic racist asshole, like on, and many other things. And the fact that my Facebook is got more posts about people bitching about Hillary's emails than taking issue with the fact that, like young black men are being killed on camera mm-hmm. with seemingly no repercussion. It's just astounding to me. Like, I can't believe this is the world we're living in. Yeah. 
I don't understand. Um, Rodney King was beaten and people lost their shit to the point where, you know, the riots and it, it caused a lot of trouble. People just went primal. Where's that now? I think it's coming. This dude. man was, I'm th- telling you, I think it's coming because I, I think that that's gonna, kind of social, gonna be a it, it should, it should, that's social unrest going, going, born out of a feeling of helplessness. Yeah. And, 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 and I, again, I'm not a black, like I'm not a black man. I, I, so I don't want to come across as like, have, all I'm saying is like, I, 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 I've many, I've many black, black friends as y'all know. And, and, and like, I can't even fathom how, how the feeling of frustration and anger they must have. Like, because they're, they really, I can understand how helpless it must seem right now. Like, and, and look again, I, each situation is in and of itself a different thing. And I'm not going to profess to have all the facts here, but you can't tell me that this fucking guy that, that's Philando Castile. Oh, in don't. fucking Minnesota. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, like, this is a dude that was 32. He's in the car with his fiance and his daughter, his little child. He's pulled over for having a busted taillight at nine o'clock in the morning. At nine o six, he's shot fatally. Like, he's complying. He's, he's giving, complying. Right. He's, he's reaching he's, in his and, back and, pocket for his ID. And he says, I have a concealed carry permit. And, and you can hear, the officer, when he is, he sounds distraught, whether he panicked, whatever fucking reason is, there's a child in the car, you shouldn't be firing your weapon to begin with, but he definitely, the officer definitely sounds like he knows he fucked up, and and you know that he, it, it sounds to me, just based on what I'm hearing, that he is distraught over what he has done, and he, it's... No, I, when, not, not the cop who was yelling at her, telling her to, to face, look away from me, walk back towards me, hands in the air. The other cop, he was, he was yelling at her as if she just robbed a bank. But the cop who killed him, when he is talking about how, you know, you hurt, you know, keep your, when she's talking to the cop who did the shooting, when the cop is talking back to her, you, you, there's, there, there's something in his voice. And, and I'm definitely not. Excusing it, the cops should should serve time. He, he should just. But it's sure. there are times where I I cringe when if if our phone rings in the middle of the night because yeah. if I find out that something happened to my stepson just walking back to his grandmother's house, it's there's just there's absolutely I I can't. Imagine the fact that it, it's it's just a I I I have no words and and it's there's two ways this mm-hmm. can go and and the conspiracy theorist in me has to acknowledge the fact that this may be orchestrated to get the black population up in arms to the point where they take to the streets fuck shit up and then oh and then you, you have a right you, to you, that now that it's justified. Right, then, then all this bullshit. Because you see these things. Who's not going to be angered about this? Right. Especially the, the same race as the person that's been shot. Right? This is going to piss you off. There may, be, I, I, I don't really want to get all tinfoil hat on this. But you have to acknowledge the fact that this could be orchestrated. Well, so Governor Dayton, who, who's the governor of Minnesota, he came out in his press conference and, uh, credit to him, he, he actually came out and said, that he thinks this is racial and that he believes if that couple 
and that family was white, this never would have happened. Oh, no. And, no, and I give him a lot of credit because he's a white governor in a predominantly white state. So while what he's saying is absolutely valid, it's impressive to me that he was willing to say that on the spot. Um, but, you know, there, this reminded me of a story that happened to me in the early part of college. And I've never told this story, but um, you guys know one of my best friends uh, uh, and was, was one of the tank commanders invading Baghdad, uh, one of my buddies. And he's still he's still in the military now. When we were, it was like the summer after our freshman year and we were back in town and, uh, it was four of us in his, his old beater car, like an LTD. And we were driving to the mall to go see a movie and he was probably speeding. I'm sure he was. And a state trooper, you know, flagged us trying to pull us over. So we were right. Like when we saw the cop, we were right, right at the exit to the mall, like, like just like within feet of it. So rather than pull over and block the exit, my buddy pulled down the, drove down the exit and then pulled over. And I guess the cop thought we were trying to maybe like run from him. So the cop car, state trooper, like veers in front of my buddy's car and cuts us off. And then he gets out of the car and he pulls his gun on us. And like, again, so we were four like, like, like suburban white kids in a, you know, a, an old beat up car, uh, that at worst were speeding, right? Like that was the worst thing that was going on there. Um, so, the, and he pulls, he pulls the gun and he like, he, he gets us out of the car and it was obviously scary. Cause I mean, anytime you have a gun pull on, it's scary, especially cause you're, it, it seems so unhinged to the guy to do it. And when he pulls us up, it's like a switch went on in his head and you could see it. And like, he immediately rethought the situation and put the gun back and started like fucking joking with us, like patting my 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 buddy the driver on on the back, being like, "Oh man, sorry man, you know you just you had me confused there. You're like you were trying to get away from me or something." And like, you know, again, so what are you to do in that instance, right? Like this dude who's got all the power just pulled a gun on us, and now he's trying to joke with us. Like no one was in a joking mood, you know. Like 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 we're fr- we just had a gun pulled on us, and we're like trying to figure out like what happened, and he's like trying to like make light of the situation because clearly he realizes he fucked up. And I've often thought since then, like, did he calm down and retrench because he saw it was a bunch of white kids? Did he calm down just because he realized it was like crazy to do it regardless? But like this situation last night reminded me of that. Cause I'm just like, you know, like what if we weren't white that day? Right? Like what if we weren't like, what would have, would have, would have been different? You know, like, and, and, and again, like, it just shows you, like, how unhinged some of these, some people can be. Cause, like, under no circumstances was that, was that guy justified pulling a gun on us. And he realized it. And then he tried to make light of it. And because we just wanted to pretend like it never happened, like, we never did anything about it. Like, we, we could have certainly reported him, right, to a superior. You know what I mean? Like, there were things we could have done. But when you're a young kid, you're just glad you didn't get a ticket. We we're just like, man, that's great, you know? Um, and I just think about, it, like, it's just a fucked up world, like, where, I don't know, like people seem more inclined to want to put Hillary in jail for, cause she got off this email thing and yet like nobody cares that like people are literally being killed and that our, one of our presidential candidates is fucking making anti-Semitic fucking ads and then acting like he didn't and then not apologizing for it. Like I don't, like, I don't know what, like the world seems on tilt, dude. And like that's your, Bread that's circuses. your point. It's like I, I, I don't want to be like a conspiracy theorist, but I, I think we could be at a tipping point soon if this continues. Like I, I just, I think, 
enough people are going to say, I'm not going to take stand for this. Like I, yeah, I'm all for the tipping you know. too. Uh, the, I know it's scary and it would, uh, disrupt basically everything, but maybe the, the best thing to do is to go apeshit, go hog wild to the point where there's enough destruction and, and death where these people realize that, you know, this is not a good thing to do. Don't let it happen again. Scare them. Yeah. Scare them to the point where it, it never ever happens again. Your, 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 your camera fell off. Well, guess what? You're not a cop anymore. Your camera falls off in the line mm-hmm. of duty. You're not a cop anymore. You're done. I don't care if it was an accident or if it was intentional. The, the fact remains that it was not documented. You're done. You're finished. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and again, I, I guess that there was the only point of bringing this up is just to say that it's uh, like the feeling of, of bafflement is real and, 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 and also yeah. again, like I think we just shouldn't underestimate the power of, of collective protest in this situation. Exactly. Uh, cause, cause again, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are upset, but aren't maybe directly impacted by this in our minds at the same point in time though. That means all the more reason why we should let our elected officials know that like this shit isn't okay. Oh, yeah. and we, want, we want there to be change. Who's not, Who's not directly impacted by this? No, what I'm saying is like, but a lot of people probably think that they're not. Because again, like, you could just be saying like, that's fucked up what happened over there to that person who's not like me. Right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so, and you know, again, like, I, I I know, I know this is not great radio. People hate political discussions on a non-political show. So I get that. I apologize to anyone that's. But you gotta speak your mind, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm like bananas over this. Like, and then I was, I was looking, I was, I was on Google just to look up the gentleman's names. Before I, I did this in the travels, and then as I'm doing it, like I see on CNN that, like, like I said, there's a dude shooting at protesters in Dallas. It's like, what, what, what is going on? It's like this strange confluence of all these crazy things, like people's right to own assault rifles and maniac presidential nominees and racist cop killings. I just, I don't, I don't know. Just none of it makes sense. The, um, the, nope. the news this morning, we were listening on the write-in and. They they were talking to Castile's mother and her brother, his uncle, and they were very and, and, and Valerie Castile's mother is, is you know, she she raised their children to you know just comply, just make sure, never argue, and you know and it's it's not a joke when you know. I have friends who, you know, want to make sure they're going to see the children when they get home at night. And it's the, the, the news anchors who are white are talking about how it's, it's amazing how, how composed Philandro's girlfriend was when filming the video. And I don't, I don't see how that can be amazing. There are, there are innocent black people who wake up every morning not expecting to make it home because of the way things are in the world so whereas we would be amazed that we wouldn't be able to hold it together if something like that was happening in front of us it's it's baked in now sadly and 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 that it's it's amazing that something like this would happen and and you you kind of need to be white to say that because it's not open season on white people so it's that's why it's so unbelievable to you and, and so they just they just actually updated uh three police officers were killed in dallas tonight over seven there. wounded yeah two snipers from long distance with assault rifle started shooting into the crowds and killed, killed 
Kill three cops and wounded seven other people. And that, like, and, and that, and what is, and, and what does that accomplish? I just, it's, I, I, I get it. it, it the frustration and, and, and the tensions are high, but I, yeah, it's crazy. frustrating. It's great. What other outlet do they have if they're not taken seriously or listened to? I'm not saying killing is the only option. No, I don't, but, I don't believe, from my understanding, they're saying that the shootings were not, these weren't like, protesters these were believed to be two white men that were shooting at at the protesters and killed cops oh jesus so and and Dumb is there was a nice. um there's a black man hanging in a tree in atlanta oh jesus Christ. well again i know this is uh not the way that them, our shows usually end but but uh i definitely feel like casey Kasem right now what is that <laughs> The, the Casey Kasem bit with the 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 dog coming out of a of a of a, 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 a he had to say something that wasn't exactly upbeat. Oh. And when he comes out of the thing, he's bitching at the the people in the control room, like, "How the fuck do I do?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> well, listen, so, I just take care of yourselves and and voice voice your concerns because if you, if you don't let people know that you want change, then we're not going to have change. And, and again, uh, this, I, I think the reason that this clown has gotten as far as he has in the political race is because he doesn't represent any constituency. He just represents every constituency that is unhappy with the status quo. Yeah. And like, we don't want to let a dude like that fill that void. Like, if you're unhappy with the status quo, then, then, then fight for change, but fight for change that's going to be helpful, not that's going to make it worse. He's not the answer. No, I assure you of that. He's not. Truth. Hey, everybody! <laughs> if you enjoyed any of this, make sure you put it in the show notes with a timestamp. Okay. Holy uh, shit! If you, <laughs> oh, I got uh, my travels, motherfucker. <laughs> if if you enjoyed any of this, Jason, you didn't even happen in your travels. What am I gonna put for you? Well, this was my your travels. Star Trek. I know. I know. Put that in there. I'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Okay. Please leave us a review <laughs> on, on iTunes or a similar similar aggregator. Yeah, yes. Funny. Yeah. Uh, and oh man. And as always, say good night, David. Good night, David. That was a short one this week, dude. Yeah, well, I'm not pussyfooting around. It's just running out the door. It's just like, it's tough, man. It's like, I don't know what happened, guys. The last 10 minutes of the episode just got cut. Nah, I wouldn't do that. I I ain't wired that way. Bye. Holy shit. (laughs) Goddamn Jason. What is reality? What's wrong with him? Say goodnight. Out. Bye. Just leave. Bye. Go. I can't. End it. I was trying to get to three hours. Oh well. Well, if you put the love of God, maybe. I was here nine oh three. Fine, that's close. All right, good. Oh, who got here later? Jason got here twenty. No, I didn't. <laughs> he was here at ten thirty. Twenty after nine oh six. I was yeah. on Skype. Oh, I had to. I had to park the Bentley. I was oh, a little yeah. late. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I love you guys. Hey, you better sing.